dude from Fear and the guy the guy who looked like he was uh, starving himself and Courage Under Fire. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott Hello. and the voice mm-hmm. of cinema sins is doing something crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's like a half seinfeld <laughs> i have to do I, you know nah. no no i like it it's good keep, keep that energy yeah it's a i'm high. not looking up if you're gonna do that voice. <laughs> And for music video sins, Barrett Share. What up? What up? Oh, mm-hmm. what up? Yeah, Short what up? Today. Indeed, what Man, up? That, there was a time where that was legitimately the coolest way you could greet your your friends. But you yeah. had to do that upward nod, what up? too. <laughs> what up? It's, impo- it's actually impossible for me to say it without doing the yo, lip yo, nod. Yo, E, tell Sloan I said what up. <laughs> <laughs> wow start us off with an entourage that's reference. right man that's seth right seth green seth green uh, i loved his turn in entourage oh, man, where he's just a big old asshole such a dick yeah he's a great <laughs> oh my god he, that was that's sort of seth green's career though right like <laughs> yeah. he always would show up in an ep like a a series to be the antagonist yeah, to, the, yeah. to the main guy always going after that guy's girl i think he did that in that 70s show too did he really he went oh, after yeah, eric yeah, yeah, yeah. he went after donna yeah in that. He's just that guy. Um, today we're going to be uh, doing a mailbag. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Mailbag. And, uh, but we're, we're also going to do what I, I would assume is a question that we got a couple of times. It mm-hmm. wasn't an official mailbag question, but we were asked to rank the MCU after we did our MCU uh, phases. MC so, me? MC me. <laughs> um, this will put a ribbon on our previous three discussions about the MCU. By the way, I think you just came up with the uh, the streaming services name for MCU movies. Yeah, the, M- <laughs> MC the, the, the MC me. Now the MCU uh, won't let me be, let me be me, or MC me. Fuck you, Debbie! Um, we, should do, we should do some Eminem every episode. <laughs> yeah, we should. I really don't think there's a, like, a bad outcome if we did. So, do we want to quickly go run down our own lists, or do we want to go 19, 19, 19, 18, 18, 18, 17, Let's 17, go one 17. by one. We have your list, and then Jeremy's list, and then my list. All right. Okay, so after after further review, this is how I ranked them, and, and some of these are interchangeable, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially at the, at the bottom and right in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, number 19, I have Thor the Dark World. Yes. Uh, this is just a slog. There's so many things that are bad about it. The villain's terrible. The the action is muddy. muddy. It's a dark movie. It sucks. Um, when did they come out? That was uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. So it was Iron Man 3 and Thor the Dark World were that year. Yeah. That was not a good not MCU a good, year. Not a good year. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, somebody on uh, Facebook, uh, when we were talking about ranking these and everything, wrote wrote out this i know how your list is gonna go and so like there's 19 entries and it goes through this big long philosoph- philosophical thing it's hard to rank 19 like number one it's hard to rank 19 <laughs> movies number two in such a way blah 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 goes all the way down 
and the 19 is Thor the Dark Lord. <laughs> I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, it it kind of, it also reminds me that, uh, there was a, I think it was The Onion that did this, that had, uh, had a thing where they had, uh, top 10 movies of this year, and it was 2010, I believe. And they went through like nine obviously fake kind of like, you know, piece of fruit in the cup type yeah. of things. <laughs> like just the titles were like, I've never heard of this before. And then then it got to 10 and it was Toy Story 3. <laughs> <laughs> it was just magical. Um, number 18, I have Iron Man 2. Ooh. Um, so far we're tracking. Yeah, it sort of. And Iron Man 2 actually <laughs> fell uh, in these rankings. I, I, mean, I didn't have an official rankings before, but um i think i would have put iron man 3 ahead of this well what this is it's an exercise of like what do i like better this or this yeah yeah and that's what it came down like what's 18 versus 19 or 18 versus 17 or whatever and it was like would i rather watch iron man 2 than you know the incredible hulk or something like that "Eh, for me i did i started at one and worked up to about nine and then i went all the way to 19 and worked my way up backwards (laughs) to like 13 nice and then i spent 20 20 minutes trying to figure out that thor was the movie i had forgotten to list anywhere (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Uh, number 17 i have avengers age of ultron here uh really hate that movie yeah that movie sucks yeah what are the redeeming qualities of that movie some humor some humor the the party scene is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hulkbuster scene is fun. Yep. But ultimately, it's yeah, just, everything else about it just is. It's another one. the The villain's not the villain's interesting, but doesn't do much of in, much of anything that is interesting. Yeah. Never really get on the level that he is where where he's coming from, and then ultimately he's just a bunch of robots. Yeah. He's just a bunch of fucking robots. Bunch of spader bots. Uh, sixteen. I have Iron Man three there. Mm. Uh, still, I, I this w- came off better after my second viewing or third viewing of it, but uh, it's still it's not great by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Uh, I have Incredible Hulk at fifteen. Uh, that might be seem a little low for a movie that's decent, but it's just so average, so <laughs> ridiculously <laughs> average all the way through. It's aggressively average. Yeah, um, yeah, aggressively average. How is that even possible? It's like we spared no expense. In trying to be average. Yeah, it's like Ron Howard did it. Um, <laughs> as well. Poor bastard. I know. As much as we love I his know. shit. I love Ron Howard, but God damn it. Um, number 14, I have Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, this one is, again, another very average movie. Just kind of Seems like there's a lot of Captain America fans out there that may actually give a shit for that. Like to, yeah. for having it that low. But there's a yeah, there's a lot of people who who love that origin story and like show where he came from and just really shows how much heart he has mm. and all that. Um I just think overall the movie uh, I, I would be on board with it if it wasn't half montage. Like yeah, it, no kidding. it feels yeah. half montage. Yeah, yeah. Because it just, uh, like, as soon as he starts doing his ass kicking and everything, it's all, like, told in newsreel for mm-hmm. him. And I just, I can't get on board. I can't get on News board with that. on the march. Yeah. Uh, 13, I have Thor. Uh, I think Captain America, the first Avenger, and Thor will always be right next to each other. They came out the same year. Mm-hmm. And they're always going to be the right there next to each other in these rankings. How can anything be as average as those two and sandwich anything in between yeah. them in the rankings? But uh, Thor th- has better visuals. Better visuals. Slightly. It was like, it's a funnier movie. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it, yeah, the, the, the actors are appealing in mm-hmm. it. Um, 
but overall the adventure i'm like i could i could i could take it or leave it right you know um uh, number 12 i have guardians of the galaxy 2 mm-hmm. um movie that should be way way better than than it is it's so funny and then so much <laughs> bullshit's in it it almost has gone down with repeated viewings hasn't it yeah because yeah. we saw it together and i think we both like came out of the theater liking it i i well i it was either you or me who went on Sif Pop. I, it, was, it was me who went on Sif mm. Pop. And I was like, I I, I did not like it. Mm. So, so no, I, I, I never did really get on board with this movie. Mm. Lots of funny stuff. It reminds me, this is the funny people of the MCU for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's starring on the space version of Yo Teach? <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, the the thing is about uh, funny people is I I remember like watching that going man this movie's terrible but man there's so many funny things yeah. in it yeah but it's also two and a half hours long mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's and 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 it's in between of all the funny stuff is a bunch of I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. and uh and so this is what happens with this the the movie just takes a it with it splitting up the characters. And the main plot doesn't even start until like the third act and everything. I just, I'm lost on this movie. And some of the funny stuff, I'm like, come on, you know, the group thing, come on. Like you said, like we've said when we were talking about it before, um, it just, the the jokes go on too long. So, uh, number 11, I have Ant-Man. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's basically good, basically funny movie or whatever. I, you know, we always hope for it to be better because of the Edgar Wright thing, but it's basically solid. Um, number 10, I have Captain America Civil War. I probably could see this going further down because, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, there's, there's things about this. I hate more than some of the movies I've ranked behind it. But then there's other stuff in it that I like that go makes it go ahead. Yeah. So it's hard to put this rank civil war for me because there's so much about it that's bad and so much about it that's good. Yeah. And I don't know. Put it right there. Right in the middle. middle. <laughs> uh right after that I have Captain America the Winter Soldier. I think those two movies are always gonna be side by side for me. I don't think there's really gonna be in fact there's gonna be times I'm gonna confuse things that happen in Winter Soul. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, I, yeah, overall seems like a better movie though. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I think it is. Uh I think it is a better movie. I think maybe the only thing I mean, there's really its plot seems more plausible than Civil War, yeah. but neither of them are yeah. really plausible. Uh, number eight, and this might be low for you guys, but uh the Avengers is is number eight. Mm, um mm. Uh, I do, I do really like it. I think it, I think it gets a pass because of its ending more than, more than, uh, most movies do. Um, uh, it does have some neat stuff leading up to that, but I've always felt like the Avengers was an average movie until it got to the whole fight at the end. Hmm. And this is another movie and this is the MCU's, uh, one of the biggest problems and it might inform how my rankings went. The, another one where the villain is kind of whatever whatever the fuck it is you know it's chitauri what who cares who cares about the chitauri yeah yeah um, it's just and, know, and loki things. loki is the main main guy but i mean still i mean it's not it's not like he's he's doing anything incredible here that uh we care about or anything does he want to kill thor in the avengers so. it's a good question he wants to kill earth like all the inhabitants of earth but uh is he pissed off enough at thor that he wants to kill him 
I I don't I don't know I don't I don't I, think he ever explicitly I says I don't know if he, I, I I would doubt that he actually wants to kill him could he kill Thor I doubt it what I mean how he's got how. the power of illusion is really I mean he'd have to trick him into walking into something that would kill him yeah. what what kills Thor yeah so I, far nothing Hella? yeah <laughs> yeah he would have to trick him into walking into the Odin's prison. Or something like that, where hell is there, and they can fight that. Plus, I feel, whether or not it succeeded, I feel like the MCU has always tried to tell us that even though Loki is villainous, their brotherly love is real. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't know that he would ever kill him. Yeah, I don't think, I Mm. I think he's always just trying to keep him down more than he's He wants to to be the favorite son, but I still think he loves Thor. Mm. Yeah, it it is a little more complicated. Yeah, well, and it's also... Man, we could we could take a hard turn right now and spend the next two hours on birth order if you want. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Older sibling, younger sibling, specifically brothers. I could I could probably give you an hour on that. Mm. But <clears throat> let's let's move on. <laughs> uh, number seven will inform how much how much I th- I think of all the other movies. I have Spider Man Homecoming at seven, mm. uh, and uh, I I really like that one. I think it I think it falters for me because of the ending fight and everything. That mm-hmm. whole thing I can't get out of my head the 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 climax of this movie is just too much going on all at once it just i don't care about at all yeah i wish they just stopped doing that mm-hmm. I, it's got to be pressure from the studio i was watching wonder woman last mm-hmm. night that ending is so fucking awful mm. like it gets worse every time that i watch yeah. it yeah and david thewlis and like trying to just like acting like a badass and a you know war god and all this stuff completely unbelievable and you could tell because the rest of that movie is so well done that there had to have been some sort of interference in we're we're low on cgi stuff we got to really you know push this at the end and yeah. the same had to have happened for spider-man Home we gotta have a battle we gotta have something where where everything is on the line well and i would yeah. love to know exactly the order in which decisions are made like for spider-man homecoming specifically i don't i don't have any basis for this but it does sort of feel like they set out early let's make sure we set the climax at night yeah. So we can fudge a bit on the CG. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know how often that's the case or how often it's, it's you know, that the last minute they run out of budget. So the CG is just not. The, I don't know. But you're you're right. I, I feel like these we got it in Justice League. We got it. Well, Justice League was at least daytime. But Batman v Superman was <laughs> yeah. nighttime. Yeah. There's been a lot of these. Let's set it at night so we can fudge on the CG. And it's it's kind of annoying to me. It really is. Yeah. So yeah. I, don't, I don't fault you for having that opinion. Yeah. Uh, six. I have Doctor Strange, which I think I was going to rank higher when I first started uh, doing this. But again, it's a it's a villain problem where. Casilius is not much of a great villain in here in, in this and and he he's ultimately uh doing this for an even bigger baddie who we don't even get to see until the very end All, ultimately though everything leading up to going through that i love uh, except for the painful use misuse of rachel McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. um no kidding. and so yeah so that's that ended up being six for me number five i have the original guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. uh just a fantastic movie all the way through that's paced well that's the way that you're supposed to pace comedy yeah absolutely um number four might be higher than most uh, have thor ragnarok here Mm -hmm. that movie's just just so such a delight for me yeah i i can't explain it just everything about it makes me smile except for hella yeah yeah and if it wasn't for hella there would be there would be this movie would be like probably number one or two for me because i just love that kind of humor and everything um 
Uh, Thor Ragnarok probably even deserves to go down a notch because of the Hella thing. Like, in fact, I wouldn't mind if this switched with Guardians of the Galaxy or Doctor Strange or mm. something like that. But that just goes to show how much I love the humor that's in this movie. Um, number three, the original Iron Man. Uh, uh, yeah. Iron Man is still one of the best. So good. Um, and uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind switching this with any of the top three that I have here. Mm. Uh, number two, I have Black Panther, and again, we're showing villains are are an important part of making a movie so uh you know really good and this killmonger is one of the best that they've come out with and uh i love everything about black panther from the fact that of all the, the inclusion you have three unbelievably badass women mm -hmm. the cast is all black except for martin freeman yeah. <laughs> and 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 and, and, uh, andy and andy Serkis. Yeah. i mean and they're and they're thrown to the side it's like that uh, dave Chappelle monologue <laughs> joke where he comes to in snl where he's like i was at the white house and i was standing here with all these black people and bradley cooper <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes back to it and he's like and i looked around and i saw all these black faces and bradley <laughs> <laughs> that snl monologue is great but uh yeah uh black panther except that i don't really like much of the 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 i don't like the ending again it's on uh, everything must happen Ooh. at the end yeah. uh battle and everything and i i feel like they could have done more with that uh, that that railroad track thing yeah. they they ended up using it obviously to good effect but it would have been nice to see them like going back and forth between well and that that's thing. another place where they they went super dark not in tone but in literal darkness yeah, in yeah, the climactic yeah. battle and that's one of the places in that movie other than the waterfall fights where the cg falls apart yeah, almost, yeah. Is that is that b battle between him and killmonger and also you're right about killmonger but it does it does i am worried they're gonna learn the wrong lesson because mm. they're already talking about trying to make like a, another movie with killmonger oh a prequel i don't i, I literally don't know any more than that huh. that just that they're interested in exploring that character more i mean like, they could yeah it would be like a, a wolverine type movie you could and maybe it would be great but again the lesson i want them to learn is give us good villains mm -hmm. not once you find one run it into the ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> I uh, obviously have Avengers Infinity War as my number one, although I could be suffering from a little bit of recency bias. Well, I think it helps, and we'll get to our rankings later on, but I think it helps that you saw it twice, and mm -hmm. we've only seen it once. Mm -hmm. And that movie is so dense, and there's so many moments, and there's so much packed into it, where on the second viewing, I can imagine you can kind of relax mm -hmm. and actually like pick and choose, and like you know kind of what to expect and what to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So it may super climb up in my ratings after i see it a yeah and time. it may go down in mine i mean i even though i've seen it twice that doesn't mean much other than you know i liked it both times i didn't find it went better or worse on the second one but it could be something where we watch that next avengers and i go whoa wait a minute yeah, that, what was going on in that first that infinity war then because mm -hmm. so there i like i said i could easily switch I could probably switch the top three and maybe even in the top five. They could all go somewhere in that same thing. And mm. to me, they're all they're all excellent. Yeah. That's my rankings. Cool. Good list. I yeah. like a list. Yes. Um <clears throat> You know, for the bottom ten, you and I were pretty much in lockstep there for oh, a while. Yeah? And then uh the top ten were all over the place different. Mm -hmm. Uh but I do think it's interesting how all three of us kind of agree generally 
It's about nine or ten really good ones and nine or ten not so really good ones. Mm-hmm. And we order them differently, but the top half and the bottom half consist of mostly the same movies on all of our lists. So the the last one is Thor Dark World. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I could hate an MCU movie more than that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, some of these I've seen twice and I really dislike. But mm-hmm. Thor The Dark World I've still only seen the one time. Yeah, that's all you um, need. <clears throat> Iron Man 2 is number 18 for me. Um Captain America Civil War 17. Yeah, wow. Yeah. There it um, is. I really, really hate this movie. And, it sucks. Um, yeah, I think I've probably explained mm-hmm, why enough. Mm-hmm. I don't need to. Then we're going to go with Iron Man 3. Yeah. Yep. Um, honestly, Civil War probably would be higher if I hadn't watched it again in prep for our MCU podcast. Oh, yeah. And it just reminded it's me funny, of It's funny because Civil War and Iron Man 3 both have vehement supporters. Like they saying, do. no, this is really good. I don't know how somebody defends civil war from a practical standpoint i understand the big the big they're splash all, screen and all talk that stuff about the splash screen yeah it, they're they got a hard on for the splash screen i guess that's it i mean that's oh well you had the introduction of black panther and you had that big fight and everything the airport battle yeah i just don't never know how mind, never mind that the entire movie doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah, no no sense know. Uh, i think you could have found a way to have some of those heroes fight each other and have it actually make sense mm-hmm. but that's just me. Number 15, I have Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a fan. Uh, 14, I have The Incredible Hulk, because, you know, Liv Tyler. Yeah. 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 Uh, number 13, I've got Captain America First Avenger. It's What's Liv how- Tyler been up to lately? Uh, the Leftovers? The Leftovers is basically the only oh. thing I've seen her do. And there's some other movie yeah. that she was in recently, too, but The Leftovers was, I think, the, her biggest thing that she's been in since. She in her late 30s now? She is 41. She's exactly she's my a, age. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say she's about our age. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Sorry, I interrupted you. No, First you're Avenger. Right. 13, First Avenger. Not a fan. Um, <laughs> number 12 is Thor. Merely, I'm, I'm, I promise, this is Thor only because I had filled in everything above and below it and remembered Thor was the only one I had yet to put, and so it went right there. It's right in the 12. middle. Uh, and number 11, I have Guardians 2 because I do think it has enough humor that I would watch that again before mm-hmm. I would probably watch any of the ones I've already named till now. Uh, number 10 is Ant-Man because I don't know. It's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Uh, number much. nine, Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, because, again, that's one I rewatched in the MCU podcast talk. And, and I, I still don't like it very much, but I liked it a little more this time around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except for Kiki Guy. Yeah. Uh, and now we're moving into all movies that I, I can say assuredly I like. Uh, but this is probably the lowest anyone's going to have Infinity War. And I've got it at number eight. Mm-hmm. And, again, I, I have decided this movie may be awesome. But I don't think I can ever watch this movie without the context of the movies around it, both the next movie we're going to get and the MCU leading up to it. It would be like the reason I can't rank this higher is that I guess I'm just too old school and I want a movie, quote unquote, to to be able to be viewed on its own. Um, And I, I get that sequels sometimes rely on first movie knowledge, mm-hmm. but... It would be like sitting down to watch Ozymandias from Breaking Bad without having watched any episodes up until then. <laughs> you imagine? Without the context, you're not going to go, that's amazing. Well, remember, our buddy Mike watched the se- the series finale you're of right. Lost with us. Only episode he'd ever seen. Are you you're serious? Right? Yeah. You're oh, right. that's hilarious. I forgot about that. And, oh. and, and like during it, we were sitting there going, well, yeah, uh, so... <laughs> 
Uh, you know, oh my this God. is what happened. It was in like, I don't know, season three, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the best. It's a, such a Mike thing to do. And, uh, and I, I think he enjoyed watching it. I think like he that. did. I think he had a good yeah. time. He may be the only person that enjoyed that finale. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't have all that building yeah. up. I like it. I just feel like uh, numbers one through seven for me on my list are all movies I could sit down and show to my wife. Mm-hmm. And she would be able to say whether she liked them or not without any other context. Uh, so at number seven, I got Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. The hell yeah. of stuff drags me a bit. And it's funny as shit. But unlike Spider-Man Homecoming, which I also think is funny as shit, it doesn't quite have the heart underneath it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I've referred to it as kind of a cotton candy movie and that it's really tasty. Uh, but it's not going to fill you up very much. There's yeah. there's no protein there. Um I don't know why that makes it number seven. It just does. Just it's just not easy to do, and I did it in like twenty. It minutes. makes sense. Give me a break. Makes sense. Uh, number six is Doctor Strange. Um, interestingly, by the way, in making this list, and because I follow Scott Derrickson on Twitter, um, <laughs> I've learned some things. Apparently, he believes that Doctor Strange was trapping Dormammu in that loop for a period of at least a thousand years. No, interesting and that that might partially explain according to one fan why he's so much more powerful appearing in infinity war than he was at the end of dr strange in that Mm. he's had literally a thousand years to continue practicing magic or what i don't know i I thought that was fascinating i I, I think it's fascinating and i and i and i absolutely can see that i just wish that somewhere in the movie there was sort of a this would ruin the 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 sort of the the joke setup that they have by because they keep showing it over and over and over again and keep quit making it quicker and quicker and quicker but it would have been nice to see all that and then just kind of have a transition that showed 1000 years yeah, later yeah 1000 years <laughs> later and then you know yeah i agree yeah. that's interesting it's like the the groundhog day thing where he's been alive for 5000 years or something like that well and also that someone explained to me that at least their theory, and I think this was on the subreddit, that that the reason Doctor Strange couldn't do to Thanos what he did to Dormammu is that Dormammu exists in a plane where time does not exist, whereas Thanos exists in our plane where time is hmm. moving forward. Okay. Again, I don't know that I understand all that, but there may actually be some explanations in there for some of the stuff I griped about in infinity war uh number five guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. this is what i wish star wars would do mm-hmm. give us new characters yeah. new adventures new planets yeah. but still make it fun uh and this was the first time in the mcu where we we got that mm. uh number four is avengers i still think the first hour is worthless and the second hour is magic worthless that's not I'm, worthless. I, I speak in hyperbole <laughs> are you not used to that by now jesus christ <laughs> Uh, number three is Black Panther. I think it's fantastic. I'm going to say it now so that I don't tweet it because I've tried to tweet this about seven different times and I don't want to tweet this and incite a riot, but I do want to say this. If you can't tell me why you dislike Black Panther without saying that the people who liked it were afraid of looking racist, you are racist. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to wrap my brain around well, that you, statement. Well, well yeah, the, the, they're not giving a reason that they hate the movie. They're no, just saying, they're just pointing lot. at other people who uh, like the you. movie. The only uh, reason Black you. Panther got such good reviews was because the reviewers were all worried about looking racist. I've uh, seen that a number of places. Yeah, and yeah. that is a veiled racist well, statement. Well, and yes. I, I can, I, and let's, t- taking it at face value, the answer is no, you don't have, you, I'm not worried about it at all. No. You know, I'm not worried about looking racist because I hate some movie. Yeah, I'm happy to tell you New Jack City sucks balls. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm really glad I went with New Jack City. <laughs> yeah, I do too. That was the right That's a pull. good one. That yeah, was the right a good pull. one. Yeah. Uh, number two, I have Spider-Man Homecoming. It's my happy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have a couple imperfections in that final battle, mm-hmm. mostly, and so therefore Iron Man is my number one. Mm-hmm. It is a movie that I can watch without finding major flaws, yeah. Um, yeah. and it is the hero's journey perfectly executed on film um and and we get that tony that i miss that tony who's still learning and tinkering and trying out and um and so yeah that's my number one and it has been for a while and it it will be for a while he's more interesting in that movie as a character than i think he has ever been since maybe infinity war now yeah again he may have a bigger arc now between infinity war and avengers 4 and i think he it's even likely he will but the first iron man i think is the biggest arc he has because he goes from making weapons for money and loving it mm-hmm. loving yeah, it yeah, yeah. like he is totally showing off that jericho rocket or whatever he's like kaboom and bow <laughs> posing in front of it with the whiskey he's loving it and then that one experience in the cave with that guy who was personally affected mm. changes his perspective completely and after that stark begins not making weapons that's huge that's a huge arc that was still having fun you know it, it's it's fun but it's grounded like the iron man 2 fun when he's in the fucking donut and stuff like that, it's just like stupid fun. Mm-hmm. No, he's, he's he's witty and he's smart alecky and he's hilarious, but he's still like grounded a little bit. No, like, I agree. The the perfect encapsulation is that that scene where Pepper has to replace his his thing. Yeah. yeah. And he's cracking up this whole time while he's dying, basically. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. Oh no, uh, you hit the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's my list. Let's let uh, let's hear it, Barrett. Uh the the bottom half is gonna be very similar to you guys. Uh, Thor the Dark World yeah. scores the trifecta for uh, 19. For 18, Iron Man 2, which I think both of you yeah. may have had. Also unanimous. Uh, number 17 to me is The Incredible Hulk. This may be a product of me not having seen it for a yeah. long time. I remembered liking it, but the more I think about it. But nothing stands out in yeah, that movie it, at all. It's not like, wow, I need to rewatch that. Yeah. Uh, number 16 is Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. I just can't get into that. I, I want to get into it because it's got good people and it's got a great director and a great writer, but I just can't do it. Yeah. It's stupid to me. Mm-hmm. Number 15 uh, for me is Captain Men. Uh, Captain, Captain Avenger? <laughs> Captain Avenger. Captain America, the first Avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that movie is just, that's aggressively average too. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 is Avengers Age of Ultron. I think I find a few more redeemable things than than you guys because I think you had it down further under. Also, I don't know if I've ever said this, but Ultron looks a little too much like Megatron. Mm, mm. No, yeah. Now, granted, the Transformer movies have given us like six different Megatrons, like (laughs) with different face constructions and whatnot. But Ultron ended up looking a lot like a Transformer. Yeah, I liked him earlier when he was just like a you know bag of bolts basically, and then he got all refined and shiny and all that stuff. I don't know. And speechy. And speechy. Yes. Uh, number 13 for me is Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we all Maybe. ranked this pretty low in, in ultimately. And again, uh, for, all of us have like the same movies in the lower half mm-hmm. and the upper half. I, just slightly different. Before order. all of this, uh, before Infinity War came out, a friend on Facebook did this very thing. He ranked all of the movie. He watched all the movies again and he ranked them and everything. And he put Civil War and Winter Soldier one and two. Wow. Wow. Did you break up with him? Yeah, I broke up with it. <laughs> fuck that guy. I hate it when people don't like the same movies that I do and don't hate the same movies. God that damn I do. those people! Those exactly. Pe- yeah, the people who have different opinions got no reason to live. What was the other one? It was Civil War, and what was the other one? Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah, I can understand how you would defend Iron Man three. Mm-hmm. 
I don't understand, like I just said, I don't understand how you defend Civil War. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, number 12 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 11 is Thor, which I thought was going to be a little bit higher, but it just, you know, when you start doing this, you start like pushing things down mm-hmm. and down and down. Well, Thor's the perfect. Like, it's the perfect middle-of-the-road MCU movie, exactly. right? It's not terrible. It's not very good. Yeah. But it's but it's funny. It's got good characters. It's got weighty characters. It's got Kenneth Branagh directing. A lot of Dutch angles in this movie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, looks uh, great. Looks I remember great. when yeah, we great. did uh, the Thor Sins video, there was uh, like a couple of comments like, wait, no sins for the Dutch angles? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh as a director is generally like a hit for me. Like mm-hmm. like Hamlet, uh, he did Murder on the Orient Express, which looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Gingerbread Man, Gingerbread Man, <laughs> yes. Did he do Dead Again? Did he direct that? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. So like, love Dead Again, by the way. That's typically, a great movie. yeah, typically, like I'm I'm down with his stuff. So I think that's why it makes this experience because the movie is not great, but it mm-hmm. just it just looks so good. Same thing with Murder on the Orient Express. It just looks so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, number ten for me is Captain America: Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. That's right down the middle for me. Ant-Man at number nine is right down the middle uh, for me. Now, I've got this a little bit lower because the hella stuff does drag it way down for mm-hmm. me. Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. I love Taika Watiti. I love uh, his character. Mm-hmm. This is such a, a turn for Thor for me that I think it was a little too jarring. I do love the humor, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's just weirdness in yep. this movie for me. Uh, number seven for me is Guardians of the Galaxy. These are all a little bit lower than what you guys had, I think, because I was surprised by how my top three shook out. Mm-hmm. Um, number six is Avengers Infinity War. Again, that may increase over time. May not. Yeah. I, I really want to watch this again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really, I do too, really but I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. No, I, I, I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, outside of buying the Blu-ray for Sin's video purposes down the line. Yeah. Where I can then watch it for quote unquote free. I don't want to go back to the theater and pay twelve fifty to see it again. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, number five is Black Panther. Now, I've got Black Panther ranked a you little racist. bit lower. You racist motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the CG is in this movie, we talked about it right after we came out of the theater, mm-hmm. is distracting to mm-hmm. me. It it's, is. It's distractingly bad, and I don't know why it's bad. I, I mean, maybe they didn't throw as much money in this. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I think it's the thing Chris always says, that they're, they have to stick to a schedule. At some point, it becomes like you could have all the money in the world. There just isn't time to finish the effect. Yeah, because we have to release in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, they 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 set that release schedule in stone and just they there's no deviation from it. And I don't think they realize a lot of times that they could probably take a break. You know, yeah, they could probably take a year off. I mean, I know that doesn't work for their bottom line at this point. It's <laughs> yeah. one of those things where when you're making a billion dollars every, <laughs> it's one of those things where if you're Disney, you've almost become way too big. You can't deviate from your your course because they could just come out with a couple of their couple of their Pixar movies every year and do fine. And oh, yeah. in addition to all the other little stuff that they come out with and do fine. But they've got now they probably got a whole bunch of people who are like, I don't want to do fine. I want to be able to do hookers and blow on. Man. You know. <laughs> imagine if they obviously can't do this. They never would. But imagine if we had Infinity War. And it ends the way it ends. And the MCU disappears for two full years. Yeah. yeah. And then comes back with the new Avengers. Do you realize how much goddamn money that would make? Oh, I know. I mean, it would make 
It would every be like a Star Wars thing. I, yeah. I don't think they realize the the value in in uh, you know holding it back. You know, right. just they don't. There's just a there's something about having that anticipation for years that makes a movie just blow up yep. when it comes. And that's what happened with the Solo movie and everything. They had five months between last Star Wars movie. By the way, mm. if Solo came out in December or even late November, do you think? That would be a huge effect on its bottom line. Yes, I think so. Too. By far, I think that's now, a huge effect. The, now, the one problem is, and this is the thing about, I'm pretty sure why Solo. I don't know why Disney would flinch on this in in particular, but Aquaman has that plush December 18th release yeah. date this year. So we'll see what Aquaman does when it gets to that point. Um, but they, if you're Disney, do you even care about no. what the DC, what what Warner Brothers and Especially DC does? Especially Aquaman. It's not like it's fucking Batman or anything like so that. So I'm wondering if if it was because of that or because they just really wanted to come out with a Star Wars movie around the same time as the first one did, and just just stayed just stuck to it. And no, we don't. No, we don't have any Star Wars coming this this Christmas. No. And then we don't have anything coming next spring. No, it's. I think it's, it's December of 2019 for is, the, is episode the, nine. Episode nine. I mean, you've got such a proven fucking track record, and we're going to see with that episode nine, with that kind of you know that kind of anticipation, it's going to be a uh, whole thing. Now, Last Jedi may have tempered some people. That's I think. The only I problem. think they'll be back on board since Abrams is back on. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but Black Panther. Before I, I leave that, <laughs> there was a comment on Facebook about. Killmonger's plan mm -hmm. that I thought was was interesting, and yeah. maybe that's what's been gnawing at me about yeah, this. Yeah, um, that why did he have to go get when, Claw? Right, when you go back and think about it, and 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 I was I answered to the guy back. I was like, I haven't thought about this movie in this way yet, but yeah, I yeah. think if if I had gone to send this, you always think about the villain's plan, right? And you always think about does everything he does everything he does in the movie make sense? to get to this point and i don't think it does right yeah yeah, yeah yeah and i mean it makes sense from a personal standpoint it doesn't make sense from a practical standpoint yeah because yeah there's there's all this like uh, uh daniel kaluuya's character um like how much does he know about him and his motivations and his split from t'challa and all mm. that stuff so there's just there's just little things and i'm parsing it out because i love the movie overall yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's number five. Uh, number four is Captain oh, Captain Marvel. Just kidding. I actually yeah, wrote yeah, that yeah. Number four is Spider-Man Homecoming. I showed this to my 10-year-old son and my two-year-old nephew uh, the other day, and we all three had a fucking it blast. It was a delight. It was a delight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was so much fun, man. Mm -hmm. and, and even though it's a high school movie, they got into it. I mean, the, the two-year-old was into the shiny visuals. Yeah. The 10-year-old was into the story. Um. Yeah, and I was into just like the humor, basically. No, I mean you were right the first time. Captain Marvel is number four on this list. <laughs> Did you guys not know that we've all seen Captain Marvel? Yeah, man, it's oh, awesome. So let's spoil that shit real quick. <laughs> <laughs> she she wins. Cree. Yeah, yeah. Bree is a Cree. Yeah, there you, you know go. I mean? Yeah. Uh, number three was the biggest surprise I think I had on this. Doctor Strange. Oh wow. no, that's pretty good. That is pretty high up there. I love this movie. Yeah, it's so good. I really do. I've watched it several times since, and like, yes, Rachel McAdams is is wasted. She's mostly wasted. Like, she's marginalized, especially in that scene where he tells her to fuck off, basically. Mm. Uh, but otherwise, like, she's seen as like a competent ER doc and stuff like that. 
there's room that they, they didn't have, take advantage of. I, I would have loved to have, I, just, I don't know, just just give her a little bit of something extra to There's do. There's a difference, I think, also between wasting the character in the film and wasting the actress's talent yeah. by yeah. casting her in a role that requires so little of the act. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So you could have cast you could have cast some extra from Criminal Minds on, in that role. <laughs> and would it really have made that much difference? Yeah. And exactly. Rachel McAdams is awesome. So let her go make something else like Game Night 2. And- yeah. <laughs> anyway. Corpse number five from, from Criminal Minds. <laughs> yeah. Criminal Minds has been running marathons lately. On Sundance, right? On Sundance. Boy, that show is just... I. When I watch it, I watch it as a social experiment. Mm-hmm. But I think that show might be evil. <laughs> just like the reason Manny Patinka left that show is exactly how I feel about that yeah, show. Yeah. Like it enjoys a little too much the gore, the rape, the sex, the blood, the whatnot on network TV. And they they never mind. I don't want to actually talk about criminal. <laughs> number one, but you no. Know, well, number two, well, number two is Iron Man. I agree with everything that we've said about this. And number one for me is the Avengers. Yeah, I know. I figured you were going to land there, and that's okay. Man, I, I get so much joy from watching this movie, including the first hour. I understand why people might not like it that much. Uh, I love watching this movie. It's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. So anyway, right. that's, that's our list, everyone. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's, it, a lot of it is the same. I don't think we had anything outrageous in here where one of us put Age of Ultron at 17 <laughs> and another one of us put it at three. Right. We aren't that chasms afar, I mean, that, that far apart or anything. So now let's rank all the Marvel movies that aren't part of the MCU. Yeah. What and is amazing yeah. that there's, there's two excellent Avengers films and then there's two, in our opinions, shitty Avengers films, including Civil War and right. the Avengers. Like, you'd think they would be at a better than 500 batting average mm-hmm. with Avengers movies, you know? Well, to some people, they are batting over. Yeah, I guess so. They made a lot of money. They sure as hell did. Now we're going to get on to our actual mailbag, right? Yes. Yes. This is going to be fun. We finally get to to your questions. Yes. Is there a celebrity that you discovered on one of their side projects rather than what they're mainly known for? For example, this person first found out about Alice Cooper from his radio show. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I guess probably in this generation, you would probably know that. Yeah. Um, by the time I started listening to his music, I had already known him as a successful DJ. What do you guys think? I stole Chris's answer by like a minute and a half. <laughs> no. Yep. I turned- Boy, what's <laughs> even worse is I had it written down already, and I was already down in like six, seven questions already, and then this motherfucker sends his thing, and I'd go, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this to see the first fucking question. <laughs> it's a great pick, though. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Van Zant from yeah. The yeah. Sopranos, who I watched a season and a half of that show before I even learned that he was a member of Bruce Springsteen's famous E Street Band. And now if you will go back and watch any like live performances of Bruce Springsteen, he sticks out like a sore thumb, yeah. this Van Zant guy does. Oh, yeah, he's always singing in the same mic yeah, as Bruce, yeah. man. Yeah, but I, was, I, I mean, I, I've heard some Springsteen on the radio. I've never owned his albums. I've never been the guy that goes to Springsteen concerts. So, Sopranos, it's a mob show. I'll watch it. I had no idea at all until about halfway through season two, and it blew my mind a little bit. I had the exact opposite experience. Interesting. So, you know, I knew him as Little Stevie in, in the E Street Band and everything, and I got a couple of episodes into The Sopranos because I got to The Sopranos late. And I was like, Sylvia looks weird, man. Like, he looks like. And I was like, because he's always got the big headscarf on in the Eastery yeah. Band. And I was like, that's fucking little Stevie right mm-hmm. there. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy that 
we came at it from the exact opposite end. It is. It is. And I, I, it's crazy how that, like, I'd love to, I'm sure there's a story out there somewhere on how that casting came about. But he's great. He is great. And it seems, I'm sure they were probably, they did some casting looking for, you know, authentic New Jersey mm-hmm. type personalities. But you almost feel like somebody had to make a phone call here to go, hey, my buddy wants to try acting. And he, he's really good. Oh, shit. Let's cast it. Because yeah. it just seems really <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> I love his line. I saw this not too long ago where he's like, uh, Tony tells him to to rally the troops, and he's like, okay, there's two things that are recession-proof. Certain Hollywood movies and our thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he was uh, pretty much, if I, re- if I recall, he was always sort of a, a he was comic relief. Oh, he largely, yeah, a yeah. lot of mm-hmm. time. Um, cause he would just come in and he would always have some like one liner to say <laughs> yeah. to Tony and then he'd be gone for the episode. <laughs> um, but, uh, because Jeremy, uh, s- stole my answer and he knew for a fact that I was going to do that. <laughs> I went with Fred Dalton Thompson, um, who Ooh. I knew only as, you know, guy from hunt for October, guy from Die Hard Two, And I thought he was just a regular actor oh. like everybody else, but he, was a huge lawyer back in the 70s like helped the republican senate to in watergate and wow shows the difference by the way between republicans back in the 70s and republicans today because they saw something was going on and they're like we need to investigate that shit and then now we're in a we're in a sort of a different era but um (laughs) just sort of yeah uh but uh he was he was i think largely known as a lawyer and i don't know how he got into the acting and everything but uh but yeah i mean he He's he's he was like you couldn't miss him back in the day that I started watching movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hunt for October and everything, you know, like Ruski don't take a dump son without a plan. And uh <laughs> and and Die Hard too, or he's just the you know, he's just a rate I mean, he's he's always the the guy of authority or mm-hmm. whatever when they ever put him in a movie because he's just always that kind of guy. I think he was like tall. Yeah, like he's six, six six, yeah. And uh so he was always like that imposing authority figure they threw in movies and everything. That great After voice. that after that, Fred Dalton Thompson is probably best known as being a you know a Republican politician and everything from died, Tennessee and from Tennessee, and he died uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I literally have run into this man. Oh yeah, with your uh, car? when I was no <laughs> with my person. Oh, uh, when I was about thirteen, fourteen, or something like that, mm-hmm. I went over to a dinner party. Um, I didn't realize it was a bunch of Republicans getting together. Mm-hmm. It's just friends of my parents, mm-hmm. and I was turning the corner into a kitchen, and I ran face first into this prodigious belly. <laughs> and it was, I looked up and it's fucking Fred Thompson. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, hello, little man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was very kind to me and everything. But uh, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. When you said Fred Dalton Thompson, for whatever reason, like my mind didn't go to Fred Thompson. Well, yeah, he he's, I think he was mostly known as Fred Thompson towards the end there. But yeah. I always knew him as Fred Dalton Thompson because that's how I saw him credited every time. In a Wasn't movie. he on so. Law and Order for a while there, too? I yeah. think he was, yeah. 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 I think that's where I saw a lot of his acting. But I believe he was best known as a lawyer before he even... Now, once he once he got into acting, he was best known as an actor. Sure. And it may not fill the spirit of this question, but the fact is he had a huge career before he even got oh yeah totally oh yeah and then and then and then a huge career after he got out of acting yeah uh mine is uh donald glover oh yeah uh aka childish gambino um Mm. i definitely listened to his music before i recognized him as an actor interesting i've seen a couple of episodes of community never really got into community i think he was on like a like an arc in 30 rock too Mm -hmm. i love 30 rock from what i've seen i just never like dived into 30 rock 
Um, so, uh, yeah, so I knew Childish Gambino. Um, you know, I really liked him. Even th- those early albums got a lot of shit, actually, from the critical media and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think they're great. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the newer ones are, are, are getting more critical platitudes, especially after Redbone was in Get Out. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I loved it. And then I saw him in The Martian. And then this whole Atlanta thing and then him being everywhere mm-hmm. is out there right now, Lando. Uh, I still haven't dived into Atlanta either. But just randomly, I said, you know, I want to watch that episode that you were talking about where it had this parallel of like a Michael Jackson type mm-hmm. of dude. The Teddy Perkins episode. Yeah. I watched that shit. <laughs> and it's fucking great, It's man. so good. Uh, Donald Glover as Teddy Perkins and his brother, mm-hmm. I guess he's playing his brother too. Yeah, um, or, or is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then Lakeith Stanfield is fantastic in that because uh, I've never really seen him outside of Get Out uh, yeah. because I haven't watched the series. Sort of like a really, mini Get Out episode. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. He's trying to get this piano out. And yeah, it's just oh, it's it's insane. Uh, but yeah, from from seeing that episode and seeing him on SNL and then seeing him on uh, in uh, as Lando and Solo. Guy's just unbelievable, mm-hmm. and I still love his music too. Yeah. I think he's putting out great music. Uh, Redbone was probably my favorite song of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's fantastic. But I came at him through his music, not even through his comedy. He's also got a stand up comedy yep. career. Yeah, that's the thing. He, I mean, he does everything. The uh, I I knew him from Community before I knew Childish Gambino, but but like while community was going on that's when i first heard about childish gambino it was like he's like oh he's going off to do an album oh he's doing stand-up comedy i'm like Geez, this guy does everything doesn't <laughs> he he also was a part of some comedy troupe there's a pretty famous clip i guess i don't know how famous it is but and i can't repeat the words that mm. are on on this or anything but it's a spelling bee where he's one of the judges and it's an N word and an F word, both derogatory terms put together as one word that the the person has to spell, and uh, and so like the the person is obviously like, <laughs> I gotta watch that. Yeah, you do, oh you do, you do. Yeah, he I'm- went to NYU <laughs> and did some YouTube stuff with a comedy troupe yeah, and this yeah, is probably yeah. what you're talking about i think about. that's what it is <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a really young donald glover and i won't ruin it but this is it's a funny ass sketch because the guy is obviously doesn't want to spell it <laughs> and everything and uh and so they it's just the whole and like they do the whole thing too where like uh could you use it in a sentence <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah, find that. That's some funny shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to the next one. Right, let me compose myself. Hang yep. on. The Magnificent Ambersons movie was famously edited to the point where the original director disowned it. So was The Thief and the Cobbler, The Emperor's New Groove, and The New Solo, a Star Wars story. Obviously know about that with Lord and Miller. What is your favorite example of this? What is your least favorite? Mm. I didn't do a least favorite. But, yeah. But uh the favorite I have is Woody Allen, uh, 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 Annie Hall, which uh, is a complete shock to me. I thought I knew everything about this movie. Yeah, um, I, I thought I did too. Um, I read even I read even more into it uh, recently, and I was like, "Wow!" I thought there was just like some murder mystery they threw in there that he cut out, but apparently it was supposed to be a stream of consciousness thing 
just exploring the, a man's mind in a relationship and everything. Huh. That's why there's all these fantasy sequences and stuff, you know, cartoon sequences and stuff like that. And the subtitles and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, all yeah. of that. And I, and I think that's the movie he planned. In fact, and so like he started making it, apparently people started liking the, the relationship he has with Annie Hall and the whole thing. So it had to be more about their relationship the whole time. So he ended up having to cut all the things that he originally wanted to make this movie into. And he cut it down to this, which is a fantastic movie. Yeah. But apparently it's just not the movie I wanted to make. Uh, what was the pressure from? Was it from test screenings? I would or? imagine it's either test screenings or the studio. Hmm. Um, I don't know if he had the kind of clout he did, uh, does no, now, not, no. not in 1977 because he had made nothing but just, you know, you know oddball comedies right. and everything and i think annie hall was on that sort of that same track to be just another one of those type of goofy bananas sleeper type movies i bet this would have been unwatchable then it might for, have been for me especially today yeah to see like a stream of consciousness woody allen thing like all of that movie being the subtitles and him stepping out of line and getting you know, that's, yeah yeah that would have been insufferable yeah, man it would have been insane I I don't know. I mean, we don't we don't know how it would have been. But you're right. It's probably not as good as what we eventually got. Yeah. But yeah, there was. I I've always read there was supposed to be a murder mystery in there, mm -hmm. and that which eventually became Manhattan Murder Mystery. But uh, but that was in there, and they had to cut all that out. It makes you wonder what kind of fucking movie this was, like in the script form. Was yeah. it a three hour like epic of just like. <laughs> You know, this is guy's mind during a relationship. Oh, by the way, someone dies. Oh, we got to solve that. Yeah. Like, I, I have a feeling that we're reading some things that are wrong about it. Well, Hall. yeah. I don't know how you get this this movie out of all that crazy background yeah. stuff. Uh, Hollywood is weird, though. Yeah. Like, I read a thing with, I read an interview with Paul Thomas Anderson, and he said that, like, for now, the next thing he's going to try and crack is a 600-page script he's been working on. Yeah. Wow. Average movies are like a hundred pages. Mm -hmm. Six hundred pages. You could probably make eight different kinds of movies after you pare that down, depending on how you decide to make your edits, <laughs> right? So depending on how much you shoot for Annie Hall, you could have made it two different, completely different kind of movies. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. I have. A, I did write a least favorite, but I haven't seen this movie in forever. It's the David Lynch's Dune. Oh um, yeah, which apparently the editing was taken away from him uh, during all this, and I don't think Lynch was quite the director's cut type of guy back back then either uh and i remember watching this movie as a kid so i, I mean me too you know, yeah, i yeah. saw it in the theater and and uh you know of course you know there's a classic uh podcast moment where the guy <laughs> where we were talking about the guy let me spit on your face <laughs> um but uh and as a, a seven-year-old i was like oh <laughs> no no <laughs> um did you ever see this movie jeremy uh i think i've seen bits and pieces it was actually on like last week and i watched about 20 minutes of it but even then i was like <sighs> i never it, read the book, book so, right. so i never had the attachment to the story yeah and I, I later read the book like in college uh it's so different um well but, yeah that's why this is almost unfilmable right yeah yeah because yeah. they had that jodorowsky's dune yeah 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 um but uh yeah this one i mean yeah it has his has his muse kyle mclaughlin in it mm -hmm. and it's got sting playing a character and yep. it's just so such a weird movie man <laughs> um, i kind of want to go back and watch I it yeah i mean it's got its fans don't yeah. don't don't get me wrong uh, i guess every movie has its fans 
This one does too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Except for Thor the Dark World. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, there's definitely people who love that. They probably put it as their favorite one. Oh my God. I want to meet that person. There's somebody out there with a Malekith tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. On their tongue. You think there's not, but I guarantee you <laughs> no, there is. I, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I kind of just did, I just said fuck you to the question and came up with something that seems like it answers the question, but really doesn't. It's just a story <laughs> I read about that I wanted to tell. Way to go, man. Nice. Um, but apparently, and, and this is how, like every episode we do, we prepare answers to a few fan questions. And so many times lately we haven't gotten to them because we've run long. I honestly, not even sure if I told this story already. Because I know I wrote it down as an answer to a question previously, uh-huh. but I think it was one we didn't get to. Anyway, uh, Carl Urban said in an interview recently that um, Alex Garland directed Dread. That is interesting. Even though he only got writing credit, uh, and apparently the the director guy wasn't even, like, he was gone after a while. But there, there were entire, like, setup sequences where Garland was directing everything. Um and it's not shown that way in the credits. Uh, and I, I I take it he's the bigger man because he hasn't made a big stink about it or anything and thumped his chest. And, of course, he's gone on to make two movies that have received plenty of critical acclaim. Are those the only two that he directed? He started with Ex Machina, Ex Machina right? and Annihilation, yeah. But yeah. Uh, technically, according to Carl Urban, um, he directed Dread and just didn't get the get the credit for it. Must be why it's so well done. I'm, I mean, in hindsight, that makes kind of makes sense. That's why I like Dread so much. I guess the, the writing is the action, or the action is the writing, right? Because there's not a whole lot of dialogue. In no, there's movie. very little dialogue. I bet that script was only 30 pages long. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's well-directed, well-shot, mm-hmm. um, and really good action, and I like that movie. Mm-hmm. Don't don't you come in here with your Raid Redemption comparisons. I don't be, care that there's two movies that are the exact same story. Be awesome both if awesome. they just re-released Dread and just said this is a new movie. Oh God, I wonder how many imagine, people would even imagine how many people would be like, oh cool, that looks yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it didn't do well because of the Judge Dread stuff, right? Well, I think it, that and it looked generic. I mean, yeah. You, you yeah. know, we can we can say that uh, you know people you know because of the original Judge Dread are all we want to, but. Um, the fact is, when you saw trailers for Dread, you didn't see anything that said this is going to be awesome, and you didn't see any stars because his face is covered that entire movie. Exactly. And Lena Headey is the only like big star, really, like that you would know that's mm-hmm. in there, and just and even she, I don't think was she it, wasn't that big then. Not not for. I mean, she had been in Game of Thrones for a year or two. It might be enough, really, actually, but. I don't think she's still. She had done the Sarah not, Connor Chronicles. Yeah, she had. She and she was in Three Hundred. That was the thing that oh, people yeah, really right. knew her from. But uh, she's still not a. She's not a household name by any means. Right. It's a household so, name. Yeah. Household <laughs> name. <laughs> All right. For mine, uh, the first one is cheating. The the second one is real. Stop cheating. I know. Cheating. Um, it's interesting to me that Tombstone, Jeremy's favorite Wyatt Earp story, mm-hmm. uh, had yep. th- essentially three directors. So it started off with Kevin Jar. Uh, who left during production because apparently he was taking too long and spending too much money. Uh, so I thought that that was the end of it, and Kurt Russell basically took over. But no, there was another director, uh, George uh, Cosmatos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was like super into it, and he dedicated it to Isn't his late Isn't he the credited wife. director? He is the credited director. Yeah. And like he, he he he's done interviews about the philosophy behind this and like how he wanted to get things authentic and everything. And it's like, well, this guy's really taking ownership of this project. Val Kilmer comes out uh, not too long ago and says, and actually confirms what Kurt Russell had said before, that Kurt Russell basically directed this movie. Hmm. Um, that uh, he took over after Kevin Jar left. 
he took over in translating page to screen hmm. and was staging shots and he was basically directing everybody while still starring in this and it was just fascinating to me that he's he's never accepted credit for it it's like a kevin costner situation on Waterworld, and uh, what was the other one that he essentially directed? Well, he di- well, he's I know he directed like, but there was one where he took over. Yeah. Took o- there was another one where he took over. I oh, know really? Waterworld's the big one because it's the same guy both times. Kevin, Kevin Reynolds. Reynolds. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so I guess you're saying that in Tombstone, when he's like, "Hell's coming with me," that's just actual documentary footage. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and what's interesting to me is that he has. To my knowledge, has Kurt Russell gone on to direct anything else? I don't think so. If, you, if he was him. that involved, you would think maybe he would have, maybe maybe it was the opposite. You would think he would get the bug and maybe you want to try from scratch to right. direct a picture, but maybe it was just really annoying. Like, yeah. Like in the Tom Clancy books, when <laughs> when uh, Jack Ryan becomes president, he's all pissed about it because <laughs> he only becomes president because they, they fly a plane into the Senate and he's like the... Kiefer oh, Sutherland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Survivor. survivor. And so he's the Kiefer Sutherland, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's all he's all angry and annoyed, and of course that makes him a great president. Anyway, <clears throat> I've always said because after I read that book that we should we should only elect people to the presidency who don't want the job. Yeah, that's a good idea. How <laughs> dare you come in here and bark at me like How some junkyard sir? dog? <laughs> I am the president of the United States. How dare you, sir? Uh, my real answer is everything about Caligula. So Caligula ah, <laughs> was this sweet. famously like absurd take on the Roman emperor that was so, you know, debaucherous and all this mm. stuff. Malcolm McDowell was in it. Uh, Helen Mirren was yeah. in it, I think. Um, and so it was, it was written by, um, it was, uh, Gore Vidal. Yeah. Uh, very well established, uh, writer. And, you know, I really wanted to tell the story of this crazy, you know, Roman emperor. And it was originally going to be directed, uh, it was directed by Tinto Brass, who was an Italian director and everything. Uh, really felt like, uh, you know, they were going to get something down. They had Malcolm McDowell, who was a star in his mm-hmm. own right. Helen Mirren was an upcoming star, if not already established. Mm-hmm. And gorgeous, by the way. Peter O'Toole in this as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but then it was the only, uh, movie that was produced by Penthouse. Yeah. Uh, and that's so, probably where things started to go wrong. Probably so. Was it was Bob Guccione the the yeah. was the penthouse? Yes. Uh, okay. And he eventually, I think, uh, went over to spin. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. At some point, because then because uh, Axl Rose oh, yelled yeah, right. at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Bob Guccione came in and like fucked everything up. He wanted to make it more salacious. He wanted to put uh, porno stars and actual porno stars doing porno acts. Mm-hmm. Um, unsimulated sex scenes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so he took over or, or his people took over the editing of it and since then gore vidal has disavowed this movie mm-hmm. tinto brass has disavowed this movie almost everybody except for bob gucciani who's now dead has disavowed this movie mm-hmm. um i saw this movie in college couldn't tell you anything about it except for like big wide shots of Malcolm McDowell walking in on orgies. <laughs> I've never seen it. it. I was I was just about to ask you is it like what 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 am I missing? What is the hubbub? There's there's no meat to this whatsoever. But I mean is it is it salacious because there's people fucking in yes. every scene? Yes. Is it salacious because they're actually fucking for real? Yes. Okay. So Malcolm McDowell, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell is kind of like Tom Cruise and Eyes Wide Shut. He just keeps on walking into yeah, rooms. pretty much. <laughs> but there actual there's actual fucking going on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's not uh, CG uh, shadowy right. characters yeah. put in yeah. uh, there. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a weird movie. I kind of 
No, I don't want to go back and watch that. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, these are my favorite questions. Um, don't know if you had this question before, but what are some of the worst accents you have seen in movies? Mm. I'm from Ireland. Mm. And, yeah. yeah, and you're about to <laughs> you're about to do what he hates. <laughs> I'm from Ireland, and um, uh, some of the Irish accents I've heard into have had to see in movies are just so awful. I agree with you, especially the Irish accent. It seems to be very hard to nail. Yeah. It's, I haven't seen Far and Away in a long time, but uh, did, did Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman butcher the Irish? They did. Yeah. Did they? they I, did. I remember like being on board with it, but again, it's been forever since no, I've seen he's, that. No, I think he's every bit as bad as Brad Pitt in Devil's Own. Oh, just, think, that's the one of the worst. That's like the pinnacle bad Irish accent. I need that money, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I still you don't understand. The situation. You can't get out of <laughs> I still don't understand how he nailed that fucking Irish, that crazy gypsy Irish accent yeah. in Snatch. When he butchered it so bad, I think that it, was later in his career. Well, it was a few years yeah. after, but it, and also I, apparently he didn't have a good time on the Devil's Own. So uh, apparently he and Harrison Ford did not get along during that. So you didn't like that movie, did you? I don't remember anything about it, but no, I don't remember. I, I remember watching it and not liking it. it Is he sucks. still with Callista Flockhart? I think so. That's kind of longevity at this point, right? Yeah, oh, they've yeah, been man. they've been together a good like, fifteen. Almost, I was gonna say almost twenty years. Yeah. At this you point. know what keeps her coming back? His earring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. An earring in Harrison Ford's ear is the most unsettling thing about a celebrity that I've seen in but, forever. Well, I mean, it was, I want a wife who's got the guts not to have sex. <laughs> That's right. I remember uh, when he first got that earring, too. They asked him about it. They're like, why do you have this? And he's like, I, I don't know. I just... I saw somebody else have one, and I thought it was kind of cool. It's so, so random. Yeah. Fucking Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. This grumpy bastard. Yeah, I know. Oh, I don't yeah. get it. No, hang on. I'm with you. And he's um, always crashing his plane, too, and surviving. He this. is. He is. Who's your bad He's accent? like the World War Z of pilots. He is. He's terrible. He's a terrible <laughs> pilot. Yeah. He's so <laughs> Anyway, bad accents. Um... So uh, you got to go back to some classics here. Rob Morrow, I love his performance in Quiz Show, mm-hmm. but his Boston accent, man, is like, hey, don't treat me like I'm some member of your goddamn fan club. <laughs> yeah. Tell me everybody got the answers but you. Um, I love his performance. That's what's so such a downer about the accent in there. And everything. It's such a ri- like a just a uh, caricature of a, a Boston yeah. accent and everything. What do you think of the departed accents? Most of them are good, but Vera Farmiga flails a bit for me. The natural ones, and like I, Marky Mark and, and uh, think, Will Hunting, obviously, they're yeah, they're good. I think but Nicholson's is a little off. Oh, it's a little yeah. off. Yeah. DiCaprio's is a little off. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but, but see, Marky Mark and, and uh, Good Will Hunting I know, yeah, are they're, from there. They're Boston natives. So, yeah. But like Alec Baldwin, <laughs> fucking Martin Sheen. I love how we've decided to do the cynical <laughs> cinema sins <laughs> thing. <laughs> Marky Mark and Jason Bourne. Yeah. yeah. Dude from Fear and the guy the guy who looked like he was uh, starving himself and Courage Under Fire. <laughs> it's a little bit long. I was going to say the guy who looked like he had AIDS, but I didn't want to oh, go that far. Yeah, 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 and that's why it took so long. <laughs> when you decide, I'm going to put the brakes on this. This needs to be cut. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I had a couple others on here. Um, I remember watching Freeway with Reese Witherspoon in it. And she mm. she plays a Southern girl in there. And now, Reese Witherspoon is from Nashville, although mm. I don't know if she was born here but it, she was definitely raised here mm-hmm. 
and she does the affected regular like what everybody in hollywood does southern accent in mm-hmm. freeway and it's annoying as fuck well i think she's even done roles since then where she has a, a much more authentic like sweet home alabama yeah. i feel like she has a southern accent that's much more believable mm-hmm. maybe it's just an experience yeah it could be and it could be just that you know that she's Kiefer spoke- that's in that movie with her i think so yeah Huh, I haven't seen that in forever. It's I forgot very all about that. Kiefer Forward podcast today. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, inadvertently, friend of the show. By yes, the yeah, show. exactly. Uh, and then I had uh, also uh, John Malkovich and Rounders, which is a, you know, it's a it's one that everybody loves to go back to, especially if you play poker and everything, but it's awful. Do that you think Russian, he was intentionally doing that? I don't know. You know what? It's funny. Malkovich is on Billions now. Oh, yeah? Oh, wow. And he's playing a Russian oligarch on that. Interesting. Oh, wow. And there's hints of what he did in Rounders in that, but it's not as far. Ah. Like they dialed it back just a bit, huh. but there's still parts in there. You're like, that's uh Teddy KGV. You know, he's, he's so like, he's, he was so well established at that point, even then mm-hmm. where you'd think that he's, he's shooting for over the top. Yeah. He he's could shooting be. for P that man. He's yeah, man. He could be. I, it's just, it's awful though. It is awful. It's so awful. I mean, like, it's hilariously it's awful. It's hilariously awful, and that's why it's so endearing. If he had done like a normal, regular accent, we wouldn't remember it as much. So mm-hmm. there's some food for thought. <laughs> do we should we go over the overboard and do terrible so that you'll remember it, or do a regular mm. fucking accent and mm. not be memorable? Um, mm. Go ahead. <laughs> All that bullshit. But yeah, it's terrible, but it's also the character, and he's so fun, mm-hmm. too. So anyway. You mentioned something. Are you going to give an answer of for years of a good accent? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yes. then I'll wait I'll wait for my comment until you say that. So, um I was I love V for Vendetta. Um mm-hmm. I, it's one of those movies that I feel like um doesn't get quite enough love. It's not an A+, not fantastic, but it kind of gets filed in that it was just kind of okay, and I think it's better than that. Yes. But I really enjoy watching it. I really enjoy a bunch about this movie, but Natalie Portman's accent has always bothered me, and it's not because it's bad. It's because it's too good. She's doing an, an She's English, British, right? Yeah. She's doing a British accent, mm. um, and it's it's almost, like we were talking earlier, it's almost too manicured. mm and it ends up, it's like an audio uncanny valley for me. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Where it's too good and it ends up sounding fake to me. And it's one of the only things that takes me out of that movie is when she says, especially that, you're evil. <laughs> <laughs> I could slow it down and go frame by frame and not find anything wrong with her British, but it still sounds funky. Anyway, <laughs> that was what stuck. What if me. James Corden is actually American? Oh. And that's why he feels so phony to us, because he's putting on an English accent that's almost too perfect. It's been a while since I brought up Friends, but there's a great episode <laughs> yeah. where Ross is nervous about teaching his first college class. So he ends up, instead of taking anybody's advice and picturing the audience naked or opening with a joke, he decides to wing it. And just when he opens his mouth, he starts talking in a fake British accent. And so he's like, the Tyrannosaurus from the Cretaceous period. And then like... He finishes class and Monica and Rachel are standing there watching him and he has to introduce them to these professors in this fake accent and Monica goes, I'm a sister, Monica Gillah! It's a terrible Irish accent. She's like, if you can have an accent, I can too. Anyway, sorry. My friend's reference for the week. So I'm going to throw this out there as just like my my blanket answer because I don't think a lot of people have seen this movie, but all of Geostorm no, has terrible yeah. accents. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty convinced that all of Gerard Butler's career outside of 300, where he's a Spartan with a Scottish accent, mm-hmm. like 
you know, Sean Connery was a Spaniard with a Scottish accent in yes. Highlander. Um, I, I think he, I don't, I think he's incapable of doing anything other than a Scottish accent. Uh, but he does something so weird in this movie. I don't know what he's going for. Like, and we made a comment in the sin about like you can see uh, Gerard Butler's Scottish and English accent like attacking each other in real time <laughs> because there's there's what was funny is I put that on one section of the movie. And Chris had something else. Mm-hmm. So I had to move it to another section, which worked perfectly well ha! because you could see it battling in real time in this scene as well. That's crazy. Uh, and then you had uh, Jim Sturgis, who's English, doing mm. an, a different accent. You had Australian Abby, Abby Cornish. Cornish, who's trying to do an, ama- an American accent. Just get Americans for this movie. It's fucking Geostorm. <laughs> but also, I have Keanu three ways for you. Oh, three Ooh. ways. I have The Devil's Advocate, where yeah. he tries to do a southern accent oh, for so bad. about a quarter of the movie, oh, and then my he just God. fucking abandons oh, it. Oh, my God. Was he circumcised? <laughs> Was he <it> cut? <laughs> <laughs> you, spend, you spend six months polishing this guy's knob, you and you, you have watched this movie way too many times, man. It is or, not that or, good. Or have we not seen it enough? <laughs> I want to watch it like this afternoon. I know. Uh, I also have his accent in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, yeah. Also terrible. Yes, yes. Man, he's the exact opposite of Natalie Portman's perfect English accent. (laughs) It's like somebody said, turn your A's into A's. Yeah. And you're good. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, yeah. ah, ah. That's it. Uh, oh, hi, a ridge I could not tell. <laughs> and then uh, his accent in Much Ado About Nothing, yeah. Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, which is a terrific fucking film. Mm-hmm. But he he single-handedly oh, he everything up drags this movie up. down. Yeah. Uh, he's playing, not Iago, that's, uh, that's uh, Othello. He's playing the villain. Yeah, yeah. And he is awful. As soon as he walks in, it's awful. Yes. Like, like he's just immediately just, uh, I have to look like a, like you gotta hate me when you see me. And it's just, <laughs> he a, even does this evil laugh. Yeah. He's like, ah, ha, ha, What was the deal ha, with, by ha. the way, what was the deal with that back in the day? Keanu Reeves always ended up in these period pictures. Yeah. Like, he's in Dangerous Liaisons. That's what I was about to say. He's <laughs> yeah. in Dangerous Liaisons in that. And I'm like, <laughs> Keanu on, has man. a lane. I, I love Keanu yeah. as a person. I, from what I've heard. And, and, as in certain right roles like Speed and The Matrix and, and John all. Wick, yeah, and John Wick, that's where he's perfect. Yes, Point Break. Like, God damn it! When you throw him in something like that, it's just like, oh my God, I, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> I mean, he had one hell of an agent that was Have just you like, seen no, the, really, he can do this. He can pull this off. Have you yeah. seen the trailer for this rom com with him and Winona Ryder? Oh, is there a trailer? Destination Wedding? I didn't know there was a trailer out for it yet. It's like they're both invited to this destination wedding but they hate each other and the bride and groom don't even like them and so they're paired together in some kind of outing and it's like they're gonna bicker the whole movie until they realize they love each other mm-hmm. it, it's, it almost feels like a fake movie like <laughs> oh, yeah. it feels like one of those like tropic thunder trailers yeah, something you see in, it's like, trippy you should watch it <laughs> that's awesome oh all right i, I did want to mention uh, an example of the best american accent that yeah. i've heard in forever john boyega in, as Finn well, in see, The Force and Awakens. That's the thing. Most of these, most of the British actors seem to get the American accent right. I yeah. yeah, I don't quite buy. We we had talked about this before about Kenneth Branagh in Dead mm-hmm. Again, and I don't quite buy his accent in that one. Mm-hmm. And I guess just because I'm used to seeing his large Britishness and all that yeah. stuff, 
but it's 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 sometimes hard to even recognize that an actor is british sometimes they yeah. there's so many playing americans these days yeah. well i'll tell you this john boyega's american english is so good in that movie that his real accent in the pacific rim trailer for uprising sounds fake as shit to me dude yeah. watch attack the block yeah attack the block man <laughs> holy shit he is he's not only english like he's this certain type yeah it's a cockney uh london-based black like dialect yeah yeah that you yeah. can only get if if like in a certain spot in yeah, england yeah yeah mm. and it's it's it and i had i had to have subtitles during that movie yeah yeah me too because i could not i did not know what was going on yeah uh but uh yeah exactly he, he do, do you see the difference of it. yeah it's amazing it's it really is straight i love the force awakens so much every time i watch it mm-hmm. i enjoy it even more mm-hmm. i don't know this is fun uh podcast question what single shot in a movie describes the whole movie Man. Scarface in his office looking sad with the mound of cocaine in front of him uh, is this uh, listener's mm-hmm. example. Very good. This is almost like the one perfect shot uh, Twitter account that has this yeah. kind of thing. Um, I liked this was an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, too. yeah. And, and I think if I, if I thought about this longer, I'd come up with a whole bunch. Yeah. I think when it comes down to it, though, it has to be a movie that has it has very little going for it, right? Sure. Like Scarface doesn't really. <laughs> I mean, y'all know my hatred of Scarface. I agree that 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 him looking sad in front of a mound of cocaine is the perfect shot of. The, um, but it doesn't mean that it has to be bad or or you know, and it's not that I think Scarface is bad. I just don't think it's you know as classic as mm. a lot of people think. But uh, but movies that can be s- summed up in one shot. So I've got uh, the T Rex in Jurassic Park roaring with the when dinosaurs rule the earth. Excellent. coming down. That is mm-hmm. a perfect shot of that movie. It tells you everything you need to know. You know that uh, if you didn't know anything about the movie or the book or anything like that, you saw a sign that said when dinosaurs rule the earth, and you see a dinosaur in the middle of that frame. Yeah you would know oh shit we brought back dinosaurs right you know yeah. and that it they put a whole made a whole park out of it yeah and they were they're actually charging money for this shit <laughs> yeah. um and uh and so i feel like that's a perfect uh, shot and it I, is uh, by the way in the jurassic world fallen kingdom trailer the new one mm-hmm. it has such a boner for these long t-rex roars mm-hmm like he's he's roaring at a, a a thing across the canyon, but it goes on for like several beats longer mm-hmm. than the original Jurassic Park, and he's roaring at Chris Pratt. He's roaring all over the. It's just a bunch of roars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The T Rex has been the focal point of every single one of these movies. Yep, and I'm ready to move on. Stop yes. making even bigger, scarier dinosaurs that the T Rex will then take down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I have like the opposite of a boner for that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like my I see a trailer for that movie and my dick starts crawling inside yeah. my body. Right. Like how can I get away from it's this like, faster? Yeah, it's like whoa. What, when did I when did I start growing breasts? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this question was a blessing and a I curse. I had one more. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just gonna. I was I, not that it's it was worth interrupting you about. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was thinking. Any shot of Locke in the car on the phone? Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm glad you did interrupt me to bring yeah, that. Up. Pretty much any that pretty much tells you what you're going to see. That's exactly. a great. That's a great answer to that question yeah. uh, from the comedy standpoint because every shot is him on the phone. Yes. I love that he has a cold in that movie. I love everything about that movie. And just little little tiny things. Um, I spent about an hour thinking about this question, mm-hmm. and then I realized I'm. It's going to take me 18 hours of thought to find the perfect answer, so let's just find one that works and move on. And I figure if you take that pan through the airplane orgy in Wolf of Wall Street, 
mm. where there's <laughs> drugs, 80s attire, 90s attire, whatever it is, sex, orgies, music, everyone's coked out of their minds. That is a microcosm of what that entire movie is, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's, it's, I just felt like that was the best. I felt like Wolf of Wall Street was a good movie to choose mm -hmm. because there are so many moments of excess in that movie. Mm -hmm. But that is the excessivest excess in all of that movie. <laughs> it's, that, I, it's burned into my retina, that pan through the jet orgy. So Yeah. Man, I just looked up that... Uh, that scene where they're talking about, you know, throwing the guy at the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, at the yeah, thing. yeah. God. Oh, what's, yeah. what's best about that is how deadpan everybody is. Oh, yeah. Nobody is even giving away that this is something inappropriate. Is like, you know, they're, they're built for this. They're built, yeah. they're top heavy. They're, 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 they're for accuracy, basically. Yeah. And he's like, can we bowl him? And he's like, no, that's his brother. That's his brother. Yeah. He gets on the skateboard and you throw it in there. And he's like, hey, you don't want to look these guys in the eye, that kind of thing. You got to look at the chin. And it looks like I'm looking at you, but, but I'm looking at your chin. He's like, yeah, I think you're, I think you're looking at me. My favorite all time use of that in an outtake was when we did, uh, one of the Hobbit movies. And there was a lot of like <laughs> barrels in the river. Yeah, the barrels and all that when they're doing that whole like, uh, you know, whatever the fuck they're doing when they're trying to get the gold running again and found a whole bunch of stuff that went along with that. You know, these things, man, these things, they'll, they, you know, you get one that does this and you got one that does that and just kept cutting through all these different parts of the <laughs> Hobbit where they were doing that. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, anyway, for me, uh, Sunset Boulevard, uh, which is a movie I've repped on here many times, you get that last shot. Of our, I'm, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Mm -hmm. DeMille, uh, with Gloria Swanson, man. That, that's a perfect encapsulation of that movie because it's all about her journey of trying to, to get back to where she once mm -hmm. was. And so that's a, that's a great one. I've got a couple more. I think you could sum up La La Land in that hilltop dance scene with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. The nighttime one after the party? Yeah. I think Around so. The, well, like the benches and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because she's all in this super colorful dress. They're looking out. They're they're singing uh, "City of Stars." Is it "City of Stars"? No, it's uh, I, I forget what song they're singing. But. but yeah, so it's got the color. It's got the pop of the the background, the landscape. It's got the music. It's got the dancing, and it's got their burgeoning relationship. And I think you can really, you know, encapsulate that movie in that in that scene. You know what? Uh, recently I, I realized that uh jessica roth is in that movie she's one of the friends the girl from happy death day oh yeah she, it's it's always fun for me when like you find out later like yeah. there's like this you know in, in la la land you don't pay much attention to the friends they all just oh they're just pretty girls and and they're all wearing these you know solid color yep. outfits and everything and you don't even really think about it then you know something like happy death day comes on oh, i love jessica roth and then you go what else was she in Oh, she's in La La Land? Oh, she was one of the friends? I don't even remember that shit. I love that. By the way, uh, earlier when I was watching, not watching that Criminal Minds marathon, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, Jane Lynch plays the schizophrenic mom of one of the officers who he like has to, there's a, like a flashback where he has to put her in a home. It's like, I think Jane Lynch was all drama until she hooked up with that improv troupe yeah, and Chris she's been Guest. all comedy ever since then because yeah. she's in she's in the fugitive, the fugitive. as a straight oh, yeah. dramatic yeah, yeah, yeah. role and then i saw her pop up in in this criminal minds up it was like from season two or three so a long time ago mm. uh, before she was like in 40 year old virgin i guess is where i first started seeing her like mm -hmm. get big roles uh anyway i just thought that was interesting she's so great in role models she's great oh in, yeah she's Vegas great in most everything yeah. uh, especially wreck it ralph and the last one mm -hmm. that i had is 
There's a reason that this shot was on all of the marketing, all the packaging for Amelie, but it's the shot of her smiling after she breaks the creme brulee. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And that's that's that movie. She's mm-hmm. super adorable. Mm-hmm. She's super engaging, and she carries that whole movie. You can sum up that whole movie in that in that shot. Nice. Yep. What what shot do you think could sum up all of Caligula? Hmm. Hmm. It would be, I think... Malcolm, the, McDowell, walk, Ma- Malcolm McDowell walking in on an orgy? No, I'll tell you exactly <laughs> what. Uh, it would be the little person, strangely enough... Little person. Ejaculating, ejaculating. Into the, into the, onto the face of one of the penthouse pets. Okay, all right. That would be the shot. Is there? Is there? That would be the shot. Yeah. I both want to watch this movie <laughs> and never want to watch this movie, and I'm come torn. It's fifty fifty. It's also there, really long. Is I there think. really a shot of that? Yes. Yeah. In one of the orgies, there two women filleting. I bet a you could person. find a straight up porn where that happens that would be more entertaining than watching Caligula. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Just uh, seeing Malcolm McDowell, Peter O'Toole, and Helen Mirren trying to navigate. <laughs> through this travesty <laughs> might be worth it, it i think it, i think it's long i, I think know. it is too i think it's like 240 something like that and you're not just using innuendo you think it's like uh, the, the length of time yes how many parsecs is 19 it? Yeah, how many parsecs <laughs> it's 1979 and it is i did love that i did love that explanation that we got though yeah, on facebook yeah. that kind of made a little bit of sense right but yeah. i think we like like we said they, that seems like he's always mentioned that in the first movie as a unit of speed right. and time yeah not distance yeah so uh it, you're right at it it's 236 mm. nice so strap in yeah you no know, literally and metaphorically i guess this is a fun one i love talking about this what is your favorite john williams score and what do you think is his best score um hook is this person's absolute favorite score and i believe it's uh also his best it's criminally underrated i guess so uh, because most people tend not to like the actual movie, therefore dismissing everything about it. I got to be honest, I don't remember anything about the Hook score. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably like the movie more than you guys did, uh, at least when I saw it. Um, but you know, even like John Williams' Bargain Basement scores are somebody's favorite. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's how good he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite is Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's easy to say your favorite or his best are one of the big three, right? Indiana Jones, the Star Wars, or the Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I'm not going to argue with anybody who does that, but Jurassic Park is the only John Williams score I've ever bought on CD. Mm. And I've said this before, there's four or five different fully fleshed out themes yeah. in this score that, that interact with each other really well. Um, and I just, when I hear the music, it puts me back in that first time seeing the film. And that's, it's very rare for a score to give me that kind of feeling. It's like uh, it, there's so many strings. I don't know how many he used, if it was more or less than normal. But it's so warm and stringy that it feels like you're just in the womb, basically. It gives you chills. Da, 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 da. And it, you picture those sweeping shots and everything, and you're just like, oh, this is cozy. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think my I think his best is Schindler's List. And the reason I say that is that it's it's, to me... You could make you could argue another one that Chris is going to mention does this as well, but it's the it's, represents the biggest departure from what I know as the John Williams sound. Yeah, um, and he just hits it out of the park, and it, I think the music affects the way you watch that movie much more than the average viewer realizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just think it's a tremendous feat. Like it, the whole like degree of difficulty thing, I think was extra high there for him, and yeah. he he came through like. Like LeBron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
That's correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. LeBron <laughs> is better than Jordan. And anybody who wants to argue me otherwise is not watching basketball mm-hmm. because no one has ever done the shit he's yeah, doing. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Jordan yeah. was phenomenal. Jor- Jordan. Count your titles all you want. LeBron is a fucking angel from heaven. Jordan never <laughs> Jordan never made it without having a huge supporting cast. Yeah. And LeBron is obviously making it without a huge supporting cast. Well, so. He's building a resume of, of coming from behind in series when everyone has written them off. Yeah. He's building a resume of playing clutch even plus, when he's gassed. Mm-hmm. Let's just look at him on the floor. Like, he's the guy on the floor. Like, if you didn't know anything about basketball and you just saw him running across, you'd be like, that guy's probably better than everybody. That's the guy I need to be watching <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I put in, uh, uh, there's two that I really like that are, uh, aside from the famous ones, Catch Me If You Can is a, just a fantastic score. Uh, yeah, that's again, a big departure. Again, completely different from what we hear from him and everything. Um, but uh, that's a great score. And uh, JFK is another one that a lot of oh, people yeah. don't realize that he did um jfk is an outstanding score um it's got all that conspiracy type of uh, feel to it and everything but like at the very beginning the theme music and everything has that like that drum what it's not a it's not like a traditional drum it's like a drummer boy kind of drum Hmm. yeah like a snare snare drum Mm -hmm. there you go i didn't know the name of it but the you know it goes through all that and it's like man this is some completely different like you would never know this was john williams unless you just you looked at the credits right yeah and it's an amazing score yeah. that's awesome i actually when you sent your answers i was like wow i totally forgot he did that movie so mm-hmm. yeah that's one i need to go guys to. the guy's malleability is probably like his his greatest strength they like he's he's amazing like just at everything but then he's able to switch he's like lebron he's able well, to lead and assists and re- mm, rebounds i agree points. although i agree with everything you just said although i do think his greatest strength is his singular ability to continue to come up with great five note themes yeah. eight note themes like most great composers have two or three yeah and he's got like s- arguably seven or eight and you know they went to him for harry potter and you almost think well he's that well is dry people no it's not fucking dry he comes up with yet another <laughs> iconic theme that is perfect mm-hmm. uh, and nobody else throughout history of scores has done that nobody else is that reliably good at coming up but see like they need to hire his ass somehow for these mcu movies where yeah. I always complain about how the scores seem to run together and not be distinctive and, and whatnot. Williams could come in there in a day and give you something <laughs> fucking iconic. Yeah, you're right about those being like five notes, like right around there where like he's got a it goes straight into like the emotional, like the limbic system of the brain or something like that. Yeah, well, it's um, almost like it's it's there's something he's doing intentionally, too, because it's like the way Pharrell starts all of his songs with like four sped up bump 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 tum, yeah, yeah, goes right yeah, into yeah. the song like half of pharrell's songs start that exact same way. that's true yeah um i'm gonna go with my favorite is being home alone mm. uh because similar to the jurassic park thing he's got all these different themes that are super recognizable but he's doing he's doing it in another like different way he's using like percussive bells almost like the yeah and then all of those like have this like almost percussive background to them which is is similar to catch me if you can is is very percussive but it's a different type of percussive um so the fact that he can go right in there and make this classic score to a Christmas movie, and you'd swear that it's Christmas music playing in the background, like established Christmas standards. But no, it's a whole new fucking score mm-hmm. from John Williams. Mm-hmm. Johnny, uh, as his friends call him. Mm-hmm. And I think his best 
is for sure um for Joe sure Will. star wars <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> i think star wars is, is is best because he keeps coming up with these themes uh these variations that are also themes on his already iconic score that's what 30 40 years 40 something years old at this point mm-hmm. like just crapping out duel of the fates after you've got all this duel stuff. of fates if you were making a documentary like an hour long behind the music of john williams the duel of fates would have to be like one of the high moments of the whole episode right because mm-hmm. that was that was unexpectedly great he's not, not not only coming in to create a new theme but for a theme that builds on his already famous theme mm-hmm. and for a shitty movie <laughs> so incredible since next week is a mailbag episode, my question for you all is, what are some of your favorite director signature trademarks? Uh, example is Wes Anderson's Perfect Symmetry. Mm. That's a great example. Yeah. Sure is. He is perfect. Every shot is, as I think Chris said before, like almost too perfect mm-hmm. at times. Yeah. But well, I think, I think even that is intentional because mm-hmm. he's not showing you the real world. He's showing you... You know, something that's one step removed from the real world. Yeah. Yeah. But he puts so much detail in each one of those things. That's what I love about it. Yeah. It's not so much the shot is perfect, but just all the details that he throws in there, too, that also add to character a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was thinking about this. I, I love stuff like Zooms, like Paul Thomas Anderson and Martin yeah. Scorsese do those Zooms. I don't know if you would consider them their trademarks. I, I guess they are. Uh, I don't know if they're anything that they've come up with necessarily like what kind not, of zooms are you talking about with uh more dolly than zoom but, oh, okay but uh like Paul thomas anderson does a lot of dolly yeah, where, yeah you know he'll enter a scene and it's like you know the camera's just rushing in and scorsese does the same thing with his dollies especially goodfellas and mm-hmm. all that that's where you see them uh i wanted to say that but I, I felt like i don't know that's not like anything they really invented although if we're going to go down to what they invented or as their trademark, then we're going to be going down a long hole of like film history and everything. So I'm going to give up on trying to do that. <laughs> uh, what I like uh, is a Spielberg and Robert Altman's cross dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great where you have two sets of people talking in a scene and they're both talking about different things. And you see this in Jurassic Park with Spielberg when they're on top of that, uh, the feeding uh, tower or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you'll see Richard Attenborough, he start he starts talking about something. And in the background, you see the other guys talking about something and everything. He does this in a lot of movies. Uh, Altman especially does it because he's always in, especially in his later, like the player and, and uh, Gosford Park and all those the cameras just kind of roving around and you'll see like people talking and he'll just kind of. I'm not interested in that anymore, but they're still talking about their thing. You yeah, can still yeah. hear them faintly in the background while somebody else is talking in the foreground. And I just always love that because it's such an anti-movie thing to... Uh, to distract the, the focal point, right? Yes, and and to make it seem as if there's still a world populated outside of just our main characters and what we're focused on in the scene Mm. it makes you say oh there is a sort of life going on in the background and everything i shouldn't ignore everything when i'm watching movies i should watch you know i shouldn't have to just see what's in front of me i should see what's in the background and what's going on to the side and everything like that nice yeah jaws is a perfect example of that yeah jaws has yeah especially when they're uh they're gutting the fish or Mm -hmm. they're gutting the shark that they think is is jaws 
And like the guys come out there and they're all excited about it. And Brody's over there talking to uh, mm-hmm. to Richard Dreyfuss's character. And then and then they'll cross dialogue and then they'll start talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they'll go back into their separate. Th- oh, yeah, so good. Yeah, Maybe. that's how life works. Exactly. I think that's why I like it. Um, so I wrote down a couple that I like. Um, I probably would go with the Altman talking over each other thing. That's one of my favorite. Cause cause even Spielberg generally doesn't do it as full blown as Altman does mm-hmm. in that Altman will just say, everybody talk. I'm going to mill around through this giant scene and focus on some of you at times, but the, uh, the listener we're watching at home can hear any of you just talk. Yeah. Whereas Spielberg is much more intentional about yeah, yeah, yeah. the way he's staging it. Uh, but I'm going with M. Knight's use of color. Uh, ah, yeah. which really sticks out in the sixth sense, but especially unbreakable yeah. with those purples and blues. Um, and then, um, Sam Raimi's, uh, shit flying through the air POV. Yeah. Um, which he started, I think, and established in the Evil Dead. But one of my favorite moments of Spider-Man 2 is when we get that Raimi cam of oh the Doc God. Ock arm coming. It's when uh, I officially <clears throat> fell in love with Spider-Man 2. Yeah. When they, they finally let Raimi do Raimi things yeah. in this big budget picture. Yeah. I was just I was so excited about it. Yeah. And there's even some of that. I think we even wrote a sin about it in that Wizard of Oz thing where there's like shards of something flying at James Franco when he's in the balloon and we get a quick POV shot of the shards. That's, he's not the only one to do that. Certainly Breaking Bad created their own kind of POV of objects yeah. offshoot of that kind of a thing where they're not always moving at quick speeds. But um, but yeah, it's a very Raimi thing and he does it almost every movie I've seen him direct. Uh Maybe even for the love of the game, although I haven't watched that, <laughs> yeah. watched that again since the first time through. And it comes on now and again. Uh, on... You think there's a baseball Raimi POV going to the, going I, to the catcher's mitt? I don't think there is because I remember when uh, that movie came out, I was like, well, you know, maybe with Raimi, there's some cool baseball scenes in this. And I don't recall there being any. I think I remember coming out of that movie going, oh, anybody could have directed that shit. Yeah, and it's like it's like 70% flashbacks with Kelly Preston. Yeah. Like it's not even really a baseball movie. Yeah. What a weird movie. Right? It is a direct. fucked up weird movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're all kind of like focusing on camera tricks a mm-hmm. little bit uh, because that's going to come across as your style and everything. I, I half-jokingly wrote that uh, I could say that Tarantino's reliance on the uh, not the reliance, but the frequency of the N-word coming up in his, oh, yeah, in his yeah, dialogue yeah. in his movies mm-hmm. is unfortunately somewhat of a signature. It's part of his signature. I yeah. don't think you can deny it. But I'm going to go back to Buddy uh, Stanley Kubrick because I noticed as I was watching the scene in Eyes Wide Shut, you know the scene where, because uh, I forgot Alan Cumming was in that mm-hmm. movie. Uh, he's the hotel clerk and Tom Cruise comes in there. And he tells this wonderful story about like how Nick Nightingale was taken and all that stuff. But how the scene starts is uh, Tom Cruise comes in and it's this steady cam floating camera that slowly approaches the desk. And then it turns to to uh, to Alan Cumming and then it goes to a traditional back and forth thing. But it you know, long takes, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking about obviously The Shining is his, you know, signature uh steady cam following tracking shot um that that people think about you know when he's uh when danny's riding the yeah. the big wheel and all that stuff uh and then of course when they're driving up into the mountains and all that stuff mm-hmm. but then you think about it and you've got these long tracking shots of arlie ermy in full metal jacket during the basic training mm-hmm. um and then you think about a clockwork orange where the camera pans up on malcolm mcdowell in the milk bar and all that stuff 
And you think about Barry Lyndon, where they, they're I actually wrote Carrie Lyndon on the email. But uh, you think about Barry Lyndon, where he's got these wonderful tracking shots, both from afar and then, you know, coming in on Ryan O'Neill. Um, so, yeah, th- that ah, that stuff is just is just gold for mm-hmm. me because it ne- it's ethereal. It sets up an ethereal quality to it because it's not a zoom like with Paul Thomas Anderson where it's tracking and it's following and stuff like that or Scorsese where it's more kinetic and everything. It's literally like crawling Mm -hmm. and creeping up and it's like it's floating in midair and giving you this odd unsettling perception because Mm -hmm. all of his movies are pretty much unsettling. Yeah. Um, Not just The Shining. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So great. That's my answer. That's a good call. Longtime fan of the channel and Sincast, I understand you talk a lot about animated movies that you love and the TV shows that you've all loved, but you've hardly ever seemed to talk about animated TV. I will, I will interrupt this by saying we don't talk about animated TV that much, but we quote animated TV a lot. <laughs> we do. True. We do. That is so. true. So this is kind of going back to our movie club format. What are some of your all-time best, favorite, underseen, and underrated animated TV shows? Nice. All I right. love this question because, yes, we don't talk about it explicitly, but it, it definitely informs our worldview. Sure. Uh, Simpsons is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I haven't watched a new episode probably since season 15. Mm-hmm. Um, is it good up until then? Is it good? Where does it where does it go? I, off I feel like you can feel it start to slip around season ten or eleven. Yeah, even less actually for me. I think it's about season eight where it starts to. The the episode I always because everybody's got an opinion of when the Simpsons jumped the shark right. and all that, but my opinion is when they go to Brazil. That's when that's the mm. one episode that I always go back to as that's the time where I felt like jokes weren't landing the way they wanted them to. They started throwing in a whole bunch of stuff just for there's sight gags with homer and like in a thong and it's like you know oh look at his big fat ass that's the joke you know and it's like okay yeah 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 we know homer's fat we've told a lot of better fat jokes yeah. about him over the years but we didn't have to go to the visual about it <laughs> but uh but i it's somewhere around there and i can't remember when that brazil episode was it could be season 10 for all i know but mm. um but that's where i but if you were to take out even the ones that you didn't see if you took out if you said i stopped season 10 just those 10 seasons would be enough to say it's the best yeah and i think that i think i phrased it as that's my favorite but i think i actually have that slotted as the best okay um despite the later seasons that you can't you can't taint the first eight seasons with bad seasons oh uh my favorite i'm 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 i've already talked about this before but freakazoid Mm. um came out of the amblin house the same era of animaniacs the same style of humor of animaniacs but animaniacs gets all the love and nostalgia and freakazoid is forgotten <laughs> and it's ernest borgnine is a voice in here oh yeah the cop friend it only ran what is for freakazoid like, about it's about a kid who gets superpowers after getting sucked into the internet oh really um but he's a teenager, so he's goofy and his humor is exaggerated. So when he he doesn't fly so much as he runs around with his arms up in the air making noises like <laughs> stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> Freakazoid, check it out. They're gonna, I think they're even bringing Animaniacs back. Yeah, I think I read. Yeah, but no, no Freakazoid really? back. That's fucked up. <laughs> Freakazoid is awesome. Uh, I even tweeted once angrily, why can't I get Freakazoid on Blu-ray? And I got schooled because somebody said they made that show before. Like, that show's only in 480 whatever. Like, they didn't make it in well, like, a widescreen. They, 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 yeah, they didn't do that with uh, South Park either. And they made those in the high def. Like, you watch 
you watch the first season of South Park on Comedy Central now, you have to sit there and go, whoa, uh, that, I think this is an early season, but it doesn't look like it anymore. Oh, do they? Yes. Oh, they really classed they've, it up. They've made every season high def now. Oh, that's crazy. And the uh, same thing went with The Wire. The Wire was not high def when it was shot. They've made all those seasons in the high def. Now, it could be a matter of money. Yeah, that's where they're like, You may be the only person yeah. <laughs> rattling for it. Freakazoid remake. Um, all right, so then underrated... I'm using a literal definition of underrated, but I'm going King of the Hill. Okay. I think King of the Hill is really awesome, uh-huh. consistently funny, but when people talk about the non-Simpsons shows from that era, I feel like it's the other graining. It's Futurama that gets all the love yeah. from the internet, and King of the Hill is kind of like forgotten to time. Uh, and I think even when people get together who love Mike Judge and talk about all the great stuff Mike Judge has done... I think even those people sometimes forget to talk about King of the Hill. Yeah. And focus more on Office Space and Silicon Valley and uh the one about being stupid. You really like King of King of the Hill. Did you like King of the Hill? Uh yeah. I never got into that show well, anytime. But it's exactly what he's put it on though. Underrated is right. It doesn't mean that it was great. Right. But at times it could be. It's like Interesting. I always talk about Frasier Friends and Seinfeld, but I never talk about news radio, but news radio is pretty good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I would call news radio underrated because mm-hmm. yes, nobody definitely. ever talks about it anymore. It's yeah. not on Netflix for me to watch. Nobody was running those reruns on TBS. Uh, and then for underseen, again, you've probably all seen this. I'm going with it. Underseen mm-hmm. is that C-Lab 2021 yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Aqua Teen Hunger Force got like 72 seasons and C-Lab only got like two. And I think it was every oh, bit God. as funny. C-Lab was so Eric Estrada funny. was a voice in there. Uh, C-Lab cracked my ass up. With more regularity than Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but something about Aqua Teen Hunger Force grabbed the nation's attention. Yeah, they huh. had this, uh, they had the, uh, Adult Swim had that thing where they would take an old show and they would sort of just add their own dialogue into yeah. it or whatever. And C-Lab was one of those, along with uh, Harvey Birdman. Yep. Yeah. They're bringing and, that uh, back. Are they? Yeah. Well, it's actually going to be Harvey Birdman, Attorney General. Oh, oh and nice. See, I, and I loved Harvey Birdman, too. In fact, when we sit there and, and, and I, we wrote this list out and everything, I was like, geez, I forgot all about this. I forgot about this. There's a ton of things I could put under favorite or yeah, underseen yeah. or whatever, but... Yeah, that, and uh, there was one other, uh, The Space Ghost Coast to Coast yep. was another oh, that one was that great. they... they... <sighs> that one killed me, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a while to get that humor for me, at mm. least, because like, I was like, what are they trying to do? And once I did, like, mind meld with it, I was like, oh, that's fucking <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I agree. On the best, I have The Simpsons or South Park. You mm-hmm. got to throw those in there. Um, uh, with favorite, I would put The Simpsons again um i'm gonna also go with a couple of adult swim shows that uh and you could put it in a lot of other categories but metalocalypse is uh Ah. is is one that i love it's right up my alley it's so it's so dark but also light at the same time Hmm. like the every it's about this just hardcore metal band and like and and so like they they it's just goes through their mundane lives for the most part. But by the end of every episode, they get on a show, they do a show that is so hardcore that people die and, <laughs> and they die in horrible ways. Like there's more violence in an episode of Metalocalypse than there is in any movie that you've ever seen. It's so fucking violent, man. Um, so it's just so funny to see them go through all these like mundane conversations. I love the, uh, the intro to it, the mm. intro. To it. it's got this real awesome like rock and metal song and everything huh. um 
I, I, we'd probably be remiss not to talk about Rick and Morty. I mean, it's it's one of those type of shows. It's got three seasons, so we'll see what happens. They finally ordered the seven season, like, epic, yeah, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, we'll see how it does over the next few seasons. I like what I see so far on that. It's become kind of, the problem is it's become uh, a bad thing to be a Rick and Morty fan because of how many times fans have been such dickholes on I the know. internet. I know. Even Dan Harmon said like a week ago, I wouldn't wish that show's fans on anyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he makes the show. Yeah. yeah it's such a bizarre fan base yeah. because some of them are just normal, reasonable people like you. Right. And then some of them like assault employees if they don't have Szechuan sauce. Yeah. It's become yeah. a thing. It's become a thing where, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of people love the show, but being a fan of it, announcing yourself as a fan now comes with some baggage. Yeah. Kind, kind of like us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're I bet there right. are circles and, and forums on the internet where some of our fans may not want to self-identify as cinema. Yeah. Fans. yeah. yeah you're probably saying. right. I'm you're probably saying. right. Uh, on underseen, I have the critic. Oh, oh yeah, good call. yeah. Yeah. This was a show. Uh, John Lovitz played a critic. And, uh, and it was, you know, every, his, you know, his, uh, tagline was it stinks, you know? So like every episode began with, uh, like that with the intro would have a new clip that they would do. And it would be like, you know, and this is how old the show is. They would say speed two or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, and then, and it would show some very par you know, parody like moment or whatever. And then it would turn to, it would, he would turn to the camera and go, it stinks. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they even had an, this is a, a fun trivia question too, because the critic had a crossover episode with the Simpsons because he had producers, uh, of the Simpsons, uh, were on the critic and there was a crossover episode. It's the one where they had the film festival in Springfield and mm -hmm. everything. Uh, it's the only episode Matt Groening has never put his name on. Interesting. Because he did not believe in the crossover. It was a Simpsons based crossover, though. It was on yes. The Simpsons. Yeah, and he Simpsons was on did that. not cross over. The critic the is only in it for like a couple seconds, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. He's not in it very long, but they, they wanted to have a crossover to sort of like boost, you know, ratings for it. And it obviously didn't work. But uh, I really enjoyed it, especially if you're just a movie fan and everything. And of course, back then, if you watch The Critic now, it's going to be a lot of dated references. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you know, they'll do sequels to movies that have had many yeah, sequels. Exactly. Die Hard 5. Yeah. Who would have imagined that? Yeah. Uh, on underrated, although it's got a 7.8 on the IMDb, so I can't come up with a true underrated, but, uh, it's a, sh it's a cartoon called super jail. It's also on adult swim. Uh, David Wayne was behind this one hmm. and, uh, it only had two or three seasons, I think, but a another, this one is just absolutely nuts. Um, that it's this jail that's in this far off, like, I don't know, it's almost a hell, maybe a hellscape or whatever. I don't remember if it's on a different planet or whatever, but um but uh every episode will inevitably have something where there'll be this chain reaction of just people dying everywhere <laughs> and just like they'll be like you they'll be like oh okay like the the fish came in and uh and like ate all these guys and then they're like oh that fish is the big fish nope bigger fish comes in and like and then like then a bunch of piranha will come in and eat that fish and then like you know they just keep on like they though they, there's always like a five minute like just cut in there where the show was funny aside from that too but i mean it, it all, that was its signature thing loved super jail thought that was a funny and I, just if you're a fan of david wayne in general you, you're gonna like that show too you are the only adult swim fan super fan that does not smoke weed i think you're right i think yeah i think, I think that's you're the right case. 
You guys hey. both looked at me after you said that. <laughs> Not intentionally. Well, not intentionally, but if, if we were filming this episode, everyone would conclude that I'm a huge pot-smoking <laughs> Adult Swim fan. That's, of course, that's not a, anything to be ashamed of. No, no, it's not. Who would claim to be that? Exactly. <laughs> it's not. Yes. Uh, for my best, South Park is by far, I think, uh, the best, which is crazy because the animation started off with being so shitty mm-hmm. and still... Yeah. Is you know leaves. Yeah, a little but the be- animation's all crappy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, ever since the the beginning, I when I was in high school, it was just starting out, mm-hmm. and the the clip was viral in those days. It was being yeah. passed over and the, the modems and all that stuff in the internet. Fifty six k. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was the the Jesus versus uh, Santa oh, Claus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it just killed us. And, Where uh, Eric was Kenny and Kenny was Eric. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we. Uh, Man, we uh, we just poured over getting sound clips from it. Yeah, you had that old Holy Night, uh, Eric Cartman mm-hmm. singing "Oh Holy Night" with the cattle prod from Mister Garrison. Uh, it's always been, I think, humor wise, the best. I remember uh, when that when it came out. I did not watch it right off the bat, um, and uh, there was a few episodes in, and somebody at work came up to me and said, "Have you seen South Park?" And I was like, "No, I haven't. I've seen the ads on Comedy Central and everything." And he goes, uh, he goes, I think it's really funny. It's just, you know, like, there's a, it's like, and he got to the point, like, and there's a, there's a character, Kenny on there. He always dies. He <laughs> dies every episode. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Well, all right. That sounds pretty cool. And then eventually just, that was when I started watching it. I've watched it since. They haven't continued to kill Kenny in every episode. No, ever. they've gone through a whole bunch of stuff with that. Like first, uh, um, First, they stopped killing him. I th- I don't remember the order of all this. They Maybe stopped after the movie. They stopped killing him all the time. Then they killed him, but they said his spirit was in Cartman. Yeah. So Cartman was Kenny, was yeah, both yeah, yeah. characters for a while. Then I think Kenny was gone from the show for a while. I think they put Butters in yeah. as, as his replacement. And then they finally just brought Kenny back. And I don't think they kill him anymore. They may every once in a while have a callback to that, but uh-huh. he does not die like he used to. Mm. Son, uh, we've accidentally replaced your heart with a baked potato. <laughs> you got about 30 seconds to live. <laughs> it never gets <laughs> any <laughs> wasn't, wasn't George Clooney, Clooney. also the, the voice of the dog? Yes. That's yeah, the Yippee, yeah. the backflipping dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite is Beavis and Butthead. Ah. And I can go oh, back yeah. and watch it. I literally have the entire series on DVD. Um, the, uh, not the music video bits. Right. And I have watched every single episode without the music video bits, which are by far the funniest thing. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff is fantastic. Um, I do find myself going down rabbit holes and watching the music videos. Man. My, my wife does not enjoy my impression of either of those characters. <laughs> but I only, I only do that Cornholio episode where I'm like, I need TP for my bungalow. Yeah. <laughs> and she hates that. And so I think that's why she hates uh, Beavis and Butthead. Man, oh. the, the, I think it's, it's possible that Beavis and Butthead has my all time hardest laugh. <laughs> and it is the one where they're in the sex education uh, <laughs> classroom because they can't laugh or they're expelled from school. And, uh, and this teacher knowing this, and he's like, we're going to be talking about the penis. <laughs> <laughs> Sexual intercourse. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the vagina. <laughs> we will definitely be spending a lot of time talking about masturbation. <laughs> and like the funny thing about him, like that character, 
like they get a close up of him and there's like veins popping out and his eyes are all red and everything and like they sell it at the end because they're sitting there like shaking in their desks and everything and then like there's a so that it's like after he says all that there's a, just a shot of the outside of the school and then them running out and they're like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but you go back and you watch those music video sets and there's so much content there mm. by the way uh i went down like a, a rabbit hole with all the metal videos they did and that was that yeah. damn it pantera <laughs> <laughs> they started referring to the the dude in pantera as pantera it was like his stepfather was real hard on him <laughs> damn it pantera this beer is warm <laughs> Uh, it's so great i can i can watch it right now um underrated i'm actually gonna say uh, <laughs> that got dangerous there for just a second <laughs> damn it pantera you need to respect mother more uh I watch some beavis and butthead tonight oh man it's so great uh my underrated is gonna be pinky in the brain and uh, because, as Jeremy said, Animaniacs got like all the love and everything. It's it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Animaniacs is fantastic. But Pinky and the Brain always landed for me, mm-hmm. even though they had the same tagline. I mean, what, are, what are we doing tonight, Brain? Same thing we do every night. Try to take over the world. <laughs> Maurice LaMarche, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And fucking uh, Pinky is just like the funniest, like... Those interactions were just the funniest thing in the world, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, for whatever reason, like there was a brief moment where it got a lot of love and it got its own show for a couple of seasons uh, as a spinoff to Animaniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think people think about it anymore. Uh, and then my underseen is actually going to be uh, Dr. Cat's Professional Therapist. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, good, good call. Well, I think stuff- we have a really diverse group of answers for we this. We do, yeah. We are showing our age a little bit, but... Who cares? We are what we are. Yeah, exactly. And you go back and you watch Dr. Katz uh, episodes. It's not animation-based. In fact, they don't move. Yeah. It's squiggle vision. Yeah. They're, they're literally like standing static, and there's like little activity squiggles around what, their characters. What a great uh, concept, too, to actually have visuals to go along with a stand-up's like, material yeah. and everything. Like, there was a, there's one, I can't remember who, who did this one, but he was like, He's like, I was in jail, and I, and, uh, I was, uh, I don't remember what he does, but the, the cops are like, you better stop that in there. And he goes, what are you going to do? You're going to take me to extra jail? <laughs> and, like, they showed another little box inside of his cell, and he's inside the box. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been the David Tell uh, episode. It could be. It was David Tell, Ray Romano, Janine Garofalo, like, all these great, like, edgy comics. Mm-hmm. Louis C.K. may have been I think, Yeah, there. I think he did. Uh, but my favorite moments are between John Jonathan Katz or Dr. Katz and his son, H. John Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is really the first time that I heard H. John Benjamin. And he sounds the exact same <laughs> in Archer as he did back in the Dr. Katz days. Yeah. Uh, and Bob's Burgers, too. Yeah. Um, but those interactions, because you can tell, like, sometimes they'll they'll be acrimonious. Sometimes they'll be, um, you know, kind of like very nerdy dad type of things and then sometimes they'll both crack each other up and those are fucking hilarious man where they're just like they can't keep it in anymore and you can tell it's like very organic yeah uh that's one that i, I really want to go back and see and it's not in syndication so i think bob's burgers is on that uh, king of the hill track by the way yeah. i think that's another one that doesn't get watched by a lot i mean it may it may do you get- watch it uh, occasionally mm. uh mostly though if it it's it's when i it, when it's on adult swim because they they play those on adult oh, swim really? as well 
Um, uh, so, so if I, if I happen to be up late at night and there's nothing going on and I go to adult swim, that's when I'll end up watching them. And they're pretty good. They're just like how King of the, I felt about King of the Hill. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't always just sitting there, like just demanding that you like it. Like family guy does. It's another one where we, you know, we didn't mention that. And I think for good reason too. family guy, I, there was a time where I would have answered family guy yeah. to one of these. Uh, I think it felt its its decline was sh- very sharp yes, after it, it came back. Yes. Um. Uh. Even when you even now when I watch the early like 1999 seasons and everything, I'm like, ah, this wasn't as funny as I thought it was. But you watch, I watched, I actually watched one of the latest episodes of Family Guy the other day just to see what was going on and everything, and I was like, damn, this is miserable. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Is it that bad? Yeah, it was. It was Peter. Uh, Peter. Uh, like uh, talks to God. Hmm. and uh everything and it's like <sighs> like in the main narrative or a yeah, non sequitur it, yeah. yeah it's 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 in the main narrative uh and i and i was sitting there just you know it, it felt so bad for me to be like sitting there just with no not not even a grin come up on my face and everything but the thing is if you were to take all the gags of family guy and like crunch them down into like a maybe five seasons or something then you'd have a great show yeah. i i almost always enjoy it if it's on in the background or something like yeah. that or if i accidentally happen upon it i'll i'll typically enjoy it but i think it's from the meaty part of like maybe seasons three to yeah. to five or something like that yeah uh where it's got those great stewie jokes and it's got even the absurd stuff with stewie and his twin or his brother or whatever yeah it is. yeah yeah. the one um, the wallace sean yeah one yeah yeah I, it's you know i actually happened upon the one where uh Peter needed an accountant, and he was he sings that I need a Jew song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at the end of it, he's looking up at the stars. He's like, "I need a Jew." <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Which is similarly, it's a callback to "I'm a Jew, I'm a lonely Jew on Christmas." Yeah, yeah, yeah. South from Park South Park. Thing, yeah. yeah. Ah, our buddy Gustavo uh, from South Korea, but he's moving to Australia soon. Man, what a life. Yeah, what a seriously. life. Gustavo, good to hear from you. You old, you old so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the Palm Door is not that, quote, relevant in mainstream media. This is the Golden ultimate Palm. prize uh, yeah. for the Con- Cannes Film Festival. It seems to be uh, more fair than the Oscars. What winner of the uh, Palm Door is your favorite? Uh, Gustavo takes the probably the all-time best and uh, our favorite in this room, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, but there are many others to choose from. I was not really familiar with this list of Palm Door winners, and you notice a lot of really great, familiar faces. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't know that we should compare it to the Oscars because the Con is a film festival that selects the films that are going to come. It's not like every film has a chance to go win this award. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, what I saw on the list that stood out to me was Mash. We've already repped. Um, Robert Altman enough this episode, but mm-hmm. uh, I love that movie. I grew up watching the show because my dad loved the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, there's a DNA that connects the movie and the show, but they're nothing alike. Mm. Um, you know, the show is a very broad sitcom kind of show, and the movie is much more subtle, I think, with its humor. Yeah. Um, 
And it just kind of wants to dip you into this environment and how unique and crazy and strange it was for a you know, couple hours and then let you go on your way. Um, but it does it does all of that stuff we were talking about earlier with the cross dialogue and the dialogue in the background and the fucking announcements on the PA yeah. that if you don't pay attention to, you're going to miss half the good laughs mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, MASH is awesome. So, yeah, It's man. odd that it would win at a, at a like a foreign film festival. Yeah, I think it was, well, I think it might have been right time. Cause, yeah, because I mean, Korea was still pretty recent. Yeah, and Vietnam was going on. Yeah, it, they, they, that's the thing that they've always said about Mash is that it's it's sort of de facto Vietnam, even though it's Korea set in yeah, Korea. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but uh, yeah, the movie is so different from the show because the movie is essentially based on you had a book first, mm-hmm. and then I think you had a play, or a play came first, and then the book. I can't remember how it goes. I think it's Ring Lardner who wrote it. Hmm uh ring lardner was a blacklisted uh screenwriter oh yeah I think. something like that um and then the movie is sort of still along those lines uh that because i performed this play in high school hmm, wow and it's and the play is not not really like the movie but there are scenes in the play that are just are ripped right from it and it's in the, it's in the movie um so so yeah that's a good one i i, I love mash too i've seen that a bunch yeah. seen that movie a bunch and you're right it's one of those where you have to pay attention through it because there's just some really subtle things in it. and then there's some stuff that's not so subtle that you know we i don't know if you can get away with it anymore yeah. you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that just you know it's well, one scene in particular that you probably couldn't get away yeah with. you probably yeah. couldn't um uh, along in that same decade i saw the conversation yeah it's so great such a good movie this is like a huge recommendation from it i don't think yeah. enough people have seen the conversation they haven't and i i keep i think we've we've stuck in conversation references here and there we've said go watch it whatever mm-hmm. you must watch the conversation that's yeah. a movie that's just fantastic so yeah, yeah that's well great. and i think we've even said this before but excellent double feature would be the conversation and enemy of the state mm. yeah yeah <laughs> you can convince yourself happens playing the same exact person yeah 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 anyway. see that. um so mine's gonna be it's a toss-up between sex lies and videotape mm-hmm. uh 89 steven soderbergh man i don't get steven soderbergh's career i just don't get it sex lies and videotape is awesome out of sight is awesome oceans 11 doesn't quite hold up on uh like critical viewing i think ultimately what his deal is is that there's the grass is always greener for him he yeah. always wants to try something different he always wants to experiment and i think that's a fair path to take because he's got a break i mean for every miss there's a hit uh yeah like he experiments with the girlfriend experience to mm-hmm. me a, just a terrible terrible film but then he experiments with something like this one that he just came out with shot on a cell phone that apparently is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I think he's interesting to me in that regard and that he seems to perpetually want to find new grounds to play in, new toys to play with, new directions. He wants to chart new ground. Uh, but, yeah, I could never be like that. If he's given story, though, out of sight, side effects, you know, things like this, sex, lies, and videotape. If he's given like a insular story... He kills it though. If he gets sprawling, it's just it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, you know I, mean? I don't know. There, this is when you start getting into true art, though, is when you make something that you don't care other people like. Yeah. You're, you uh, you go in there and you know maybe you don't make the best movie, but you learn some things that you do go into your next movie with or whatever. But uh i have always admired that i mean yeah it doesn't make for great movies every single time and he's probably got more bad ones at this point than yeah. good ones 
but uh, I don't know if that's really how we should grade his career. I think that's exactly how Jeremy's saying it there. He just went in and did these things to, you know, I'm experimenting. I'm mm. just, whatever. If you don't, if you like it, fine. If you don't like it, fine. Yeah. So What a crazy career. Yeah. And the other one uh, is All That Jazz, which is directed mm. by Bob Fosse and starring Roy Scheider. I've talked about it before. It's a really interesting, talk about a little bit of experimental movie mm-hmm. uh, that I think you should check out. All right. Winner of the Palm d'Or. Yes. Duh. Okay. Uh, last one, everyone. Uh, hey, guys. I'm currently in pre-production for my first short film. Congratulations. Awesome. Uh, it's about a guy trying to direct a no-budget sci-fi epic and everything ends up going wrong. That's hilarious. Uh, what is your favorite and least favorite film about someone trying to make a movie? I only did my favorite because I'm leaving out least favorites, apparently. this. Well, we've talked about this topic a lot, and we've definitely repped State and Maine and the player mm-hmm. a whole bunch. So, And I actually have brought this movie up before, but I will talk a little bit more at length about The Last Shot, which yeah. is uh, Matthew Broderick. We were talking yeah. earlier about Matthew Broderick's career. Um, Matthew Broderick is a movie theater manager who has written a screenplay and has hopeless hopes of becoming a filmmaker he's one of these deluded people like me that in college who thought i actually am gonna go from this movie theater to making movies uh-huh. um and alec baldwin is this fbi agent or cia agent they're trying to basically come up with a sting to catch the mob and the teamsters in jersey so he goes out and basically lies and says he's a movie producer this movie basically by the way is half get shorty and like half state and maine maybe mm-hmm. um i don't think i've ever heard of this movie it's it's really char it's not as good as state and maine but it's charming you're gonna laugh a lot huh. alec baldwin has a line on an airplane that will make you urinate <laughs> it's so fucking funny um but basically he he convinces uh matthew broderick that he's a real hollywood producer with with a budget and that he loves matthew broderick's script matthew broderick's script is about a, a woman a sick woman dying of cancer who goes to the Hopi Indians uh, to die. <laughs> but Baldwin convinces him they can shoot that in Jersey. And so he he goes to Jersey and there's all the casting and the whatnot. And they get partway into this. And Baldwin's like, we can catch all the Teamsters. And he talks his bosses into a three-picture deal to, <laughs> to actually make these movies as a way to catch Teamsters. And then, of course, hijinks and whatnot. Uh, I think you'd have a good time watching it, especially if you liked State and Maine, because it's got that same tone of humor. Um, and it lands more for me than it didn't. And uh, it was a good ride. When did this, like around, when did this come out? 2005? 2004. 2004. Oh, really? Yeah. Somewhere around in there. So Completely flew off my lots radar. Lots of people in it you recognize. Um uh, and, you know, it's just that with Matthew Broderick at his sad sack best. And, nice. Uh, yeah. Huh. Anyway, that's my Check that's my out. recommend. Um, I've already talked about American Movie, by the way, which is a great movie. It's a documentary about uh, these two Wisconsin guys. I love American Movie. <laughs> that uh, Colvin. One yeah. of which is, is very delusional. The other one is just following along. And they're trying to make a horror movie called Coven, which is pronounced Colvin. Colvin. <laughs> In these thick Midwestern Well, yeah, he, he wants to do a movie called Midwestern at first, but then uh, he had some of it shot, some of Colvin shot, <laughs> and uh, he decides he can go and shoot that instead and make money and maybe to make Midwestern after that. Yeah, exactly. Or Northwestern. I can't remember which one it was called. Yeah, it's it's so funny, and it's unintentional. I guess it's unintentionally funny. I haven't dived into the background of this yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, this guy's just a character. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very much... 
Reminds you of a non-salacious Billy uh, oh, from yeah. The King of Kong. King of Kong, yeah. Uh, like, he's just this personality. And yeah. he's, he's re- long he- hair and, like, really, like, into movies and yeah. really wants to do it. Yeah, he's got, uh, he's, um, there's, there's scenes of him being drunk and everything. And he's just, he's, and he's just, he's belligerent yeah. at times. And it, sometimes it's real sad, but. A lot of times, man, he's watching the Packers win the Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. and everything. He, and it's like, I think it was that 96 one yeah. where like there was the Desmond Howard yep. uh, return and everything. He's like, there it is. Game <laughs> over right there with the beginning of the game. And, uh, and, uh, but he was like, he's like, uh, he, Mike, last night I was talking, I was, I was trying to get the hotel Tangiers on the phone. And I was, he's like, I was just sitting there and drinking. It was like, I was trying to get Morocco. What was, the, what was that all about? Um, yeah, I love it american it's, movie it's in terrific. fact if you can get your hands on it uh, also listen to the commentary that has mark borchardt and the film filmmakers on. oh yeah yeah uh there's a part in there where like you know they go through that whole coven coven thing <laughs> and one of the filmmakers says something like i looked it up and apparently you can say it both ways and he's like damn right <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that's been lost to time i think yeah it's something that uh you know you see american movie and you don't really know what it's about it's great check it out um did you say living in oblivion i didn't because i was having so much fun talking about american movies yeah living in oblivion is probably the the one that you need to see of all so great living in oblivion is about shooting a low budget film and all the sort of the the pitfalls of it the money the the actors that you get all these different things uh getting the best takes when the cameras aren't on uh you know that's such a great and such a big cast too steve buscemi katherine keener Mm -hmm. uh dermot mulroney um dermot mulroney is usually fairly anonymous to me in movies. Mm. He stands out brilliantly. Oh, he's so in this good movie. in this. And James Lagro plays a like a Brad Pitt type of actor or whatever that that uh, happens to show up for this real indie movie, and he has all these ideas he wants with his character and everything. That is the movie that if you're making a movie, you should watch first. Living yeah. in Oblivion is the thing. You also want to take a look at Ed Wood, even though Ed Wood is more is more of a drama about ed wood mm-hmm. doesn't really go into a lot of the things about him making that movie but it is a, a movie about making movies and everything a couple of others that aren't necessarily about a guy making a movie but is in the movie business albert brooks in modern romance is Ooh, uh man i forgot about that movie he's a foley artist in that movie ah. um and there's a great scene in there where they're trying to find uh and i may have even talked about this on the podcast before but there's a great scene in modern romance where they're trying to find the perfect uh the perfect sound for this guy running in a spaceship on a like it's like a i guess it's a hallway maybe even a carpeted hallway i'm not even sure but it's a guy running and they need to get the perfect sound effects for it and so like they're like okay well what, what 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 can we do and they go to the archives and and one is called hulk running <laughs> and so they go and they and they should they they put the hulk running over this guy running through a spaceship and it's like and 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 so albert brooks as a foley artist ends up going in going into their little microphone area and whatever and 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 like makes the footsteps himself and everything and makes it perfect for the for the film and this film that they're making is just bullshit it's low budget (laughs) uh james l brooks plays uh plays the director in the movie really and they're not related at all because he's albert einstein has he ever i don't think i've ever seen him 
play as an actor before. Yeah, he's he's the director of this movie huh. in this, and there's like a there's like a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of scenes in there where he's talking about like, you know, there's a part where somebody it's uh, George Kennedy is playing in the movie and within the movie, and he's and there's a part where he go where he tells one of the people, "You know nothing," and there's a shot to a guy who's like looking up like all ham-handed like in <laughs> like to the ceiling and everything and albert brooks is like wouldn't it be better if we didn't know that he knew anything like why why are we showing that guy right away right after? Why, wouldn't it be more of a surprise later if we didn't know <laughs> stuff like that is in that so modern romance has a lot of good stuff and it, it's it's not really about that uh then there's one other body double Oh yeah, uh, Body Double Body is another Double. one that has has a lot of like inside baseball type film yeah. stuff. De Palma, De Palma, oh, yeah. De Palma yeah. yeah. That movie's very strange. By the end of it, you won't even know if any of the shit that you just saw happened. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's a there's a fun there's a fun scene like towards the end of Body Double where uh, they have a nude scene. And the, the main actress isn't going to do the nude scene. So like they have this girl in a shower and like the main guy who's in, who's, uh, who's, uh, the, the main guy in body double is playing like a werewolf vampire or something. I can't remember what it was, but he's like, he comes in through the window and like, he's grabbing her, you know, he's grabbing her down by her boobs mm-hmm. and everything. And, uh, so like there's the actress who's like, who's like, uh, just show her face. Then they have some just random girl with big boobs that come in. <laughs> and, and so like they show, they show like, they show that and it's like okay, get a close-up of this dennis franz plays the director uh but there's like they show the actual scene as it's cut and they show like the main actress and it's her face and then they just show the boobs <laughs> <laughs> main actress then boobs oh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. like that. all right so that was a bunch of goddamn questions that's right baby it was a lot yeah, I like it. We went, we filled a whole like two and plus hours that's of right. uh, questions there so don't fucking say we don't do questions god damn it Nobody's saying that. No, nobody's, nobody's really, saying nobody's that. Nobody's really saying Nobody's that. ever saying I that. I've never heard that. Yeah, that's that's not a criticism. Um, <laughs> if we can keep going to Syncast presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook, uh, keep going to SoundCloud, keep going to Twitter. There's a lot of ways you can reach us. Talk about this episode here and keep giving us questions. Yeah, man. And uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Shear. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Who are we talking about? James Corden. Oh, uh, yeah. He, he annoys the fuck out of me in general. You know Me what too. I mean? In that harmless kind of way. Yeah. It's like I f- I'll feel bad if I kind of go off because there's really nothing that wrong with the guy, but I really don't like him. Yeah. I, I don't I don't like him. I don't like that carpool karaoke. No. It's so it seems it seems forced like in between the his, songs. His comedy persona feels too, too manicured. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't feel organic. No. Yeah. No. It, it feels like he's playing a character and he might be maybe he is but um i don't en- i don't enjoy the comedy I don't, I don't like the the character either matthew broderick for as mediocre as his career kind of feels from a long view sure has been in some awesome movies mm-hmm. yeah i bet that if you you really like put a whole bunch like you piled matthew broderick's best stuff all in one side you'd be like holy shit yeah but he's got a lot of like on this other side 
Uh, but like, yeah, you could say, uh, you know, you obviously start with Ferris Bueller and you put war games in there and election. Yeah. And, uh, even his small part and you can count on me. Yeah. Uh, the producers, not the movie. Glory. Glory ish. Even though he's, he's maybe not, so not that awesome good in it. it, but he's in, he's, that's a good movie. For cable him. guy. Yeah. Cable guy. Um, <laughs> And then all the other stuff. Yeah, and like, then yeah, Inspector Lady, Gadget, Lady Hawk, <laughs> Lady Hawk. <laughs> did you see they're making? Uh, they announced a Sonic the Hedgehog movie with James Marston. I did not see that. Yeah, that's a Sonic. I the feel Hedgehog like the internet. Huh? I feel like the internet should be what the fucking more about that. That just yeah, like what? that feels like the emoji movie to me. Like it does, and yet no one's acting like that. Everyone's all almost people. They're almost like, yay. It's almost like a good thing. Yeah. But there should be there should be more outcry. I don't need to see so a Sonic James the Hedgehog James Marsden movie. as the voice or as is are they no, he's the live action he's, guy. It's going to be gonna a live, live action, action Sonic the Hedgehog blended with animation. That's the new hotness. Here's my question. Is Sonic the Hedgehog still that popular? No. Yes. yes. No. Yes. My no. son is obsessed. Your son is an outlier. No, he has a lot of friends at school that had the same thing. They have a current like Sonic Outlaw type of, I don't know what it's called. Sonic X, I think it's what it's called, mm-hmm. the TV show. Mm-hmm. And he's got like a little bandana and there's a whole thing. All right. Well, <laughs> it is could, still popular, which Let is me crazy. ask you this. If they were announcing a new Mario Bro- Mario Brothers movie, would you be any more excited about that just because kids love Mario today? I'm not excited about either one of them. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because kids popular. like a thing doesn't mean it's moot. Could Kids like dog poop. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean there needs to be a movie about it. Yeah. Do they like dog poop? I watched Gone in 60 Seconds last night. Oh, jeez. You'll never get that two hours back, dude. Like, I like that movie. All right. As long as you had a good time. Your two hours is gone in I cannot endorse seconds. that. It's it's headlined by three Oscar winners, man. I can't no, endorse that. you're not that. alone. There's a lot of dumbasses who like that movie. You know what? I th- there's, a, there's a very popular oh, thing shit, on Twitter nowadays to go to just kind of pick a forgotten, terrible movie and go... And write a whole article or make a whole video about how this is actually a masterpiece. Yeah. Like, there's a regular, this is a regular, once a week I'll see some, and this is like real websites too, not like mm. Bob's blog. But like, here's the reasons why Gone in 60 Seconds was actually oh, a masterpiece. I saw one of those or the like other day. That. Yeah. And they're all, every single one of them is wrong. Oh my God. What was the one that was just recent that, that got a lot of attention? Here's why this was actually better than you remember yeah god damn it I, yeah. I forgot which one it is but gone in 60 seconds i'm not saying it's a masterpiece I'm no saying, i didn't say you i'm just... saying it's on the level of the rock below face off but like con air type of stuff that i just enjoy uh you know not ironically just kind of like it, it's stupid i know but it's the action is good uh the characters are engaging hey if you were really into cars i could see watching it just for that totally you know totally. what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. um but also no. Yeah, there's a... There's, I can't see that movie. This reminds me of that, that a conversation in Death Proof where, like, uh, like uh, where she... Where it's, it's, I think it's uh, Tracy Toms is talking about, uh, you know, all the movies that she watched when she was a kid and everything. She's like, you know, Gone in 60 Seconds? Not the original. Not that Angelina Jolie bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I talk, I've talked about Demolition Man for 20 years and how much I love it, but mm-hmm. I just learned a new fact about it last week. Really? Um, the guy who directed that movie, that's the only movie he ever directed. Do you remember who it is? No. What? What's this? The guy who directed Demolition Man. 
was oh. was a was a a visual artist, and I think he had done some music videos and some fine art related videos, and and then he did demolition. He di- he directed Demolition Man, and didn't really have a great time, and went back to making art. Well, he he does have okay, so he has eight uh, credits, but uh, let's see, only one other, no, two other movies. The uh, one of the other movies you may have seen, Excess Baggage. Oh, Benicio, and, Benicio uh, and Alicia, Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone. Well, that, that article I read totally lied to me. That said yeah. it was the only feature film he had ever directed. Oh, weird. His name's Marco Brambilla. Brambilla. Or Brambilla. Well, just just cut all this and bullshit. He, put it in the And outtakes. then he did uh, another movie called Destricted in 2006. It's got a 4.6 on IMDb. Yeah, that sounds Excess awesome. Baggage is shitty. Yeah, Excess Baggage reminds me of... Uh, Though there is a one really funny part in it, though, where she Alicia Silverstone takes takes some money. I can't remember who are they with Christopher Walken at this point. I can't remember if they're with God. I saw the movie once. Who they're with, but she takes the guy's money, and Benicio del Toro is just just like sitting there with this like just like f- fuck it all look on his face, and he's like, "She just stole your money." <laughs> <laughs> That was before Jesus. Benicio was Benicio. What? A, that's another career that we'll probably look back on and be like, man, we should have appreciated that guy more. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like our comment in The Last Jedi is pretty on point. Like, lately, he just seems to be getting cast in roles that seem more important than they really are. Like, he's, he's well, yeah. entering the Jeff Goldblum phase of his career. But he's, well, he's doing Sicario, too, though. Yay. Well, I mean. Yeah, it looks pretty good, though. It does. It does. Look pretty good. It's just, I, it's, I, it does. I when a sequel is that unnecessary, I need about five people I trust to tell me it's awesome before I can even care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they made a sequel, though, because the first one, even though a lot of people love the first one, it didn't do anything. Yeah. Sequels, so I don't know. They brolined it up. I guess it did more than I think it did, but it's not like something where like, oh, we must make a sequel. Well, it kind of did that Austin Powers thing where it, it got most of its fandom on home video or after the theatrical mm-hmm. release. And then I think it even flirted with some awards like buzz there for a while but Did it really? i i highly recommend sicario though yeah no and it's still in the god I it's one of those like it's the same way it's, we've got, i'm the same way about sicario though like it when i got before the screenplay I saw it, right there i was like i don't know you know i mean i don't want to get into something heavy right now and <laughs> blah, blah blah but then finally i watched it and i was like oh shit why have i been waiting to watch this yeah